Welcome everyone to the PFF Fantasy Podcast IDP edition. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and it is time for another weekly IDP preview, which means I am once again hashtag blessed to be joined by another great IDP mind, co-host of the IDP After Show, IDP writer at DLF and IDP guys, a fellow Derwin James Stan, all the way from the UK, the awesome Jace Abbey. Jace, what's up, man? I'm I'm all good, John. I'm all good. Great is uh, a bit of a stretch, but hey, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I love coming on to your your shows, John. Uh, we always have a a blast, and you know what what better way to spend a a dark, miserable, uh, rainy evening in England uh, than to hop on with you and to talk some some IDP. <laughs> Well, yeah, we could share in the misery because it is rainy over here in Canada as well. So um, I don't know what's going on, different sides of the world, but we got the we're just dealing with that type of weather. It's that time of the season, but happy to get you on rain or shine. Um, it is always a pleasure, my friend. I'm excited to talk some IDP with you. Um, but yeah, this this will be good. We got week six coming up. Um, we've done these shows before. They tend to go about two hours ago, two hours or so, because we're gonna go game by game again. And and like I always say, we'll cover the main storyline lines and the matchups um worth discussing for every team and, and then as usual i'll have the timestamps in there uh, as well for each game in the episode description so people can jump around and find the games that you're looking for um, i'll also include a link to my idp rankings over at pff.com um, and the link to the pff idp fantasy report as well uh, where you could find the idp waiver targets snap shares utilization for every single idp from this past week's game um, and then for the youtube crowd all the the uh, visuals you see the charts and stuff they're all from the idp fantasy report um so you could find that uh on the website it's free to, to look at and um yeah worth a like and subscribe on the youtube as well i would hope um but yeah helps me a ton if you can do that and then uh we are going to get into that here in just a second but uh last piece of business before we do get into it uh, i do have a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor fabric by gerber life Fall is all about the back-to-school and back-to-routine checklist, and the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies to fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, let's kick things off as we always do. Thursday night football, the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Jace, should be, I don't know, it's always hard to say if, if Thursday night football is going to be good. It's usually not, but um, a division battle here. Um, obviously, the Chiefs, you know, being the Chiefs, but the Broncos, one of the worst defenses in the league. So where where do you want to start off uh, with this game? Yeah, let's let's kick things off by talking about that uh, that Broncos linebacker situation. Um, you know, Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. Um it's kind of interesting, I thought, to see uh, Singleton lead Jewel in Snapshare in the first game where both were fully healthy. Um, they could be easing sort of Jewel back into 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 playtime after after he injured that uh, that hip, kept him out of the Bears game. 
he was only involved in, I think, one one full practice before the weekend. Um, Singleton obviously has a, uh, a slightly better tackle efficiency, but it's not. It's actually some way off what we were expecting from him this year, and some way off what we saw from him last year. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, neither guy has, has really helped fantasy managers with any big plays so far. So I don't think there's a lot to choose between them, other than that snap share, which I think is why it's so important to keep an eye on that over the next few games. Uh, looking at the chart that you published. Um, we know the Chiefs give up the third most tackles to opposing linebackers this year. So we could see a big game from from one or maybe both of these guys this week. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's I think that makes sense. And yeah, excited about the matchup specifically for the Chiefs. But yeah, mostly trying to see if last week was just kind of an aberration as far as the snaps go, right? Because Jewel technically, I mean, would be the lead linebacker there. That's how they started the season. That's how they they kind of project these guys. But like you said, coming off the injury, didn't have a full week of practice. So potentially, and knowing that they were on a short week as well, right? So I think there's at least a chance that um, Jewel retakes that 100% role and Alex Singleton kind of goes back down to the part-time role, which is still probably, yeah, going to be around 80% or so. But it just makes sense for for Josie Jewell. I think he's the better player overall, even though he may not be necessarily the, the tackler that Alex Singleton is, like you said. But I, you look at the Broncos too. like they're de- They lead the league, their entire defense, with 73 missed tackles. Almost every single player on their defense who has at, who has played at least 40 snaps has at least one missed tackle. There's only three um, who have no missed tackles. And one is Randy Gregory, who is no longer on the team. Um, the other is Patrick Sertan, who is arguably their best defensive player. Uh, and the other is Jose Jewell. So I, I would think that Jose Jewell probably gets a little bit more run because Alex Singleton has eight missed tackles. He's second on the team behind only Damari Mathis with 11. So I do think Jewell's the better player. I think he makes more sense as a 100% de- at, um, option here for the the Broncos linebackers. And like you said, the matchup is a great one. So uh, excited to see kind of what happens and how it plays out this Thursday. But I'd imagine Jose Jewell be the, is the 100% guy again. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, talking of missed tackles, um, any hope that Drew Sanders would uh, would 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 steal some playing time from these two was kind of kind of shot because he was one of the biggest culprits uh, of of those missed tackles. So yeah. yeah, you're gonna have to play the waiting game with with him. I think. I think so. Um, the next the next uh, sort of part of this game I want to talk about was that Denver pass rush. So it was great to see uh, Benito, uh, Nick Benito, and Jonathan Cooper. That sort of partnership continue to to get it done uh, after that Gregory trade. Um, you know, Benito especially has really got he's really got after it the last few games, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, and he has the the better pressure rate of the two as well. Um, I still think uh, Cooper is the better player, uh, but again, I don't think there's there's a huge amount to choose between them. So I'm leaning if I have to choose between those two players, I'm leaning more toward Cooper most weeks purely because he has a larger role. Um, but that said, you know, I'm kind of fading both this week because they're up against the Chiefs and. We know what uh, Mahomes is like. He just he just evades sacks for fun. Uh, he's been taken down only only four times all season. <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. not a great a great matchup for for opposition pass rushers. Kind of fading Benito and Cooper for that reason. 
Yeah, we're 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 lockstep in, in the same thought process here for sure. I, I am slightly higher on Jonathan Cooper this week. I, I think I have him as edge thirty four. He played more um, than than Nick Benito. He's he had a decent pass rush grade, decent win rate last week as well. Just didn't get the 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 sacks that Benito did right. But um, yeah, th- this is not the week to really kind of play around with those guys. Mahomes has the lowest pressure to sack conversion rate in the entire league uh, at five point seven percent, and like you said, uh, just four sacks all year. So. So a tough guy to take down for a pass rush that is not one of the better ones in the league. So I would be uh, trying to avoid those guys. But um, anything else from the the Broncos that uh, is worth touching on? Or do you want to look at the, the Chiefs? Uh, I want to look at the Chiefs and the, the Nick Bolton situation. Um, I'm really missing Nick Bolton. Uh, yeah. We all are, right? Unless we were wise enough to pick up uh, and quick enough to pick up Tranquil as a uh, as a sort of a stopgap. Um, I'm kind of hopeful that Bolton can come back this week after sort of being a, a limited uh, participant in practice on Tuesday, I think it was. But I've, I've kept him out of my weekly rankings until he either practices in full or we hear some positive news about his his chances of, uh, of suiting up. It would be a great matchup if he can make it back, as we know, again, from your chart, that the Chiefs tend to give up a lot of tackles to uh, to opposition. Sorry, that the Broncos give up a lot of tackles to opposition linebackers. Um, but if he can't go, it's 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 got to be tranquil all the way again. He's played the last two games, um, every down in those two games, and he's put up 17 tackles and a forced fumble. Uh, I just I kind of feel, I don't know how you feel about this, but I do kind of feel a little bit sorry for Willie Gay feels like he just can't catch a break. Uh, there's always somebody ahead of him. Uh, even when Bolton goes down, you know, Tranquil steps in and Bolton, uh, sorry, uh, Gay plays the understudy. It's, it's got it's got to be super frustrating for him. Yeah, I imagine it is. They The Spagnolo has just never viewed him, I guess, as an every down player. He's always kind of been second fiddle there, uh, regardless of who the LB1 is. And like you said, I, I think... It feels like Nick Bolton might play this week. I feel like it was a game time decision in in week five. I I, I don't know. I know they played, um, they, or he at least showed up, and and I think they were they were looking to see if he was going to play or not. I don't know. I, I maybe I was, I'm remembering that wrong, but I have I I did put him in the rankings this week. I put him at LB six, um, but it's kind of like one of those ones. It, it, you know, I could change it if if necessary. But if yeah, if he's not ready to go, then Drew Tranquil kind of steps in, and it's kind of like an all or nothing thing with Drew Tranquil, right? It's either Nick Bolton uh, plays, and then we we don't play Drew Tranquil at all, or uh, Nick Bolton is out, and then Drew Tranquil skyrockets up the rankings because um, that that's just kind of how they've deployed these guys this season. Is that Tranquil only has a role if Nick Bolton is not in the lineup, and he doesn't seem to move um, Willie Gay or Leo Chanel down the depth chart at all. That's it. That's it. All right. Let's go uh, to the Baltimore Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. So the London game, um, Jace, you got boots on the ground here as well over there in London. I don't think you're going to the game. Is that correct? I'm not this weekend. No, no. I'm away. I'm away on holiday this weekend. But if I, if I was here, it would be the one I would have chosen to go and see. Yeah, yeah, seems like a fun one, and we get we would get to see maybe potentially Kyle Hamilton uh, in per, in person. We we've talked about him uh, a fair bit on this show, but um, he's another guy I, I I know wasn't you know a strong week last week, but looking at the deployment for Hamilton last week with Marcus Williams back, I think that's kind of the the main thing to kind of focus on here because he only played thirty percent of his snaps deep 
last week, um, but played up 42% in the box. He saw 24% in the slot, and that allowed him to kind of hover a little bit more near the line of scrimmage. And he's going to be now in position to put up fantasy production on a weekly basis as long as Marcus Williams is in the lineup and Hamilton doesn't necessarily have to play back, especially against a Tennessee Titans team that you're not too concerned about having to, you know, defend the pass against as much. Um, So they probably don't need to play a lot of too high safety. They could play Kyle Hamilton down in the box a little bit more to help protect against Derrick Henry. I think this is a great matchup for for Hamilton. So he's still inside my top 10 uh, this week, even though it wasn't like an amazing week last week. Um, Obviously the three sack game is the peak but uh we're gonna hope for at least a strong tackle game for for kyle hamilton this week how are you feeling about him yeah he's he's still in my top 10 as well he's my db6 this week yes. um but you know he has he has cooled a little bit since that that massive game against um was it the colts in in week three um mm-hmm. he had that interception of watson uh in week four um but he's he's barely rushed the passer at all since that since that huge sort of three sack game um, I mean, that would be okay if his tackle numbers were were solid, but he's he's kind of disappointed on that front too. I, I kind of wonder if we we might see a, a modest game from him this week um, because the, the Titans don't give up a huge amount of tackles to to opposition safeties. Um, but clearly, you know, I'm still high on him, uh, hence why I've got him as my DB6. So uh, yeah, he's the kind of guy that just could go off on any week. And like you say, it's nice to see his usage uh, settle down or his alignment settle down a little bit um, I think it was that Colts game, wasn't it, where he played almost exclusively in the in the slot, just blitzing yeah. a ton. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see his, his his alignment, his usage settle down a little bit. Uh, really looking forward to seeing what he can do over the course of the season. Um, just not sure if it'll be his week this week. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that's fair. And and yeah, we want to see him because you're right. The tackle numbers haven't quite been there for him, but I, I think with this kind of shift in alignment, it, I think it does help him um, at least long term rest of season, as long as he can kind of maintain that usage. Um, it should be a, it should be a positive thing um, for him going forward. At least I would hope so. We'll see what happens this week, like you said, against the Titans. But um, anything else on the Ravens that uh, that you want to touch on? Yeah, I guess we should talk about the uh, the linebackers just briefly. Mm-hmm. Um just to say, you know, it's it's been, you know, Pat 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 Crane and, and Roquan Smith have been putting on a, a show this year, haven't they? Really? Yeah. Um, I was looking at it earlier. Between the between the two players, they've combined for eighty nine tackles, five sacks, and five pass breakups in five games. That's just that's just incredible. Um, yeah. It kind of has, you know, disappointed uh, those of us who were hoping for something from from Trenton Simpson earlier in the in the year. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, but his time will come eventually. It's just, it's it's looking like it's going to be a next year thing for him, the way things are going, I think. Yeah, it feels like it, right? Because I think Patrick Queen is is a free agent at the end of the year. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. So, uh, you know, he's the thing is, he's played well um, for Baltimore this year. And since Roquan Smith has, has come over, but... I just worry that they probably don't want to pay two linebackers too heavily, right? Just because they've already paid Roquan Smith. And it's a lot of money to spend on a position that isn't typically that valuable for the NFL. So that, that's, I guess, my main concern with Patrick Queen um, in Baltimore for for next year. I don't know that he'll stay there, but I mean, this year, yeah, he's been, he's been amazing. I, I definitely have both of them inside. I think the top 20 this week um, it, it, for my linebackers, just because they've been so productive. Um, and yeah, I, again, you know, if Tennessee leans into the run again, that only helps linebacker production as well. So we'll see what happens there, but um, for sure. 
Yeah, they did. They did talk about wanting to bring him back um, before the season started, but you know, talk is cheap. Well, we'll have to see how that plays out. Like you say, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to pay pay two linebackers the kind of money that Queen could get elsewhere, and that's what it comes yeah. down to, really. Yeah, I think so, and and I'm sure there there'll be a market for him too, especially considering how well he's played, and you know he's got those flashy plays in his highlight reel that the the agent could put together for other teams and stuff. So um, I think he'll there'll be a market for him, um, and as a first rounder as well. So um, how about the Titans linebackers because. This group has been kind of interesting, right? Aziz Alshayir, we, we kind of knew would, would be their LB1 this season. Um, but I guess what we weren't expecting necessarily was Jack Gibbons, <laughs> um, who has stepped up and, and been efficient over the past few weeks, right? He's he's actually been playing around 80% of snaps uh, for three straight weeks now. And you look at his tackle efficiency last week, 21.2%, came up with 11 total tackles. Um, Aziz Alshayir had 12. So... These guys are coming off a strong week here. The Ravens, another decent uh, matchup for linebackers. So how are you feeling about Jack Gibbons uh, going forward? Yeah, he's, he slides into the back the back half of my uh, my top top 50 linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember exactly where he's, where he's at, but in that sort of 40 to 45 range. Yeah. You know, the, the snap share is, is pretty decent. Um, you know, he's not going to keep pace with the every down linebackers over the course of the season. But like you say, that tackle efficiency is, has been has been pretty damn good. Um, yeah. So we have to give him props for that. I, I wonder whether um, there might be a, a shift in in terms of who they favor as the as the primary linebacker there. I expected it to be Al Shire coming into the season and I'm not surprised that it's that you know it's it's been that way so far. Uh, and there's no signs of them moving away from Al Shire towards Gibbons. But I just wonder whether I think Al Shire is on a one year contract. Um so I, I wonder whether they start to 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 give Gibbons more time with with one eye toward the future. That would be interesting. Yeah, I, I I haven't really seen like any kind of signs to do that. But it, I mean, yeah, if they're not interested in Al Shayer long term, then I mean, why not give the guy more run? But yeah, I feel like eighty percent is still is still a decent amount of snaps, right? To kind of get a good look at a guy, yeah. Um, right? But yeah, that that is an interesting call. I think Al Shayer is, is played well though. He's been uh, one of their. Uh, he's he's sixty two point one grade, but. Yeah, Jack Gibbons is a little bit better, sixty nine point four um, this this season as far as the the PFF grades go. So very similar there. It's hard to kind of you know base a lot on that, just how coaches feel about them. But there, it does play a little bit in in how they're playing. So I think Al Shayer's, you know, he's he's not really done anything to kind of hurt his chances at keeping that job. I guess I would say. Um, but yeah, there there is something at least to keep in mind there as far as the, you know them looking to the future. But um, yeah, I, I, then the other thing too, you mentioned Jack Gibbons, your LB forty to forty five range. I have him as LB forty four, so we're like in the exact same um, range oh, there, there you go. Uh, for for <laughs> for this week. It's just as good as he's been, right? Like it's just hard to put an eighty percent guy over a lot of the like hundred percent guys or ninety percent and higher guys because we know um, the the main thing is 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 opportunity, right? So it, you know that twenty percent of snaps could make a big difference, especially if Baltimore's offense doesn't play uh, a ton. So just something to keep in mind there for Jack Gibbons if you're starting him. Um, Want to go on to the next game here, uh, Washington Atlanta? Let's do it. All right. So yeah, Commanders and Falcons. Um, what do we got here? Where Where do you want to start? I'll let you start. I I really want to start with uh, with Chase Young. 
Um, it feels like the only place to start. I'm I'm loving his comeback tour. Um, it's the it's kind of the performance that we we all hoped for, but weren't you know convinced that he would be able to do. Uh, twenty seven pressures, four sacks, uh, a twenty point nine percent pressure rate, fourth in the league. Um, and you know he's done it against some really tough opposition as well, with the exception of the Bears last week. Um, Garrett Bowles, uh, Dion Dawkins. Jordan Mailata, that, that's some pretty tough. That's some pretty tough opposition, I think. Um, and this week he's got the Falcons, uh, and they've given up the fifth most sacks among all teams this year. Uh, obviously, Jake Jake Matthews is a decent left tackle, but he's allowed four sacks this year. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Young has a chance to continue his hot streak. Um, but let's just gloss over the the tackle production. Let's 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 leave it on a high, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we're banking on the big plays for sure so far. But I, I mean, the tackle production could come, right? Like eighty nine percent of snaps last week. He's out there. He's really not leaving the field all that much. But um, he's been awesome. I, this has been exactly what we we're kind of hoping to see from Chase Young. And you know, I know the injuries and stuff kind of derailed him a little bit, like you said, but. career high pass rush grade in week five um, for his entire NFL career with a 92.1. He posted 11 pressures, which was the most pressures by any player so far this season Uh, added the sack on there. Um, I I got him locked in inside that top 20 every single week at this point, as long as he doesn't change anything Um, potentially higher like this week, he's edge 11 for me. I I really like the matchup again. So um, this is the first time that he's cracked the top 12 for me this season. So excited for him to, have a big game or or let me down and then i, I have to move him to wait <laughs> um but yeah there there'll be somebody that lets me down we do talk about that every week but there there's always someone but man chase young he has been so good this season it's been it's been nice to see he really has and it, you know we'd it'd be remiss not to mention his uh his partner in crime uh montez montez sweat as well he's had yeah. a he's had a good start to the year himself um being a little bit more sort of efficient at converting pressures right. into sacks than than young but i'm 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 more than happy to ride that that sweat wave, um, as as, dis- as disgusting as as that sounds. Um, <laughs> while while it continues, uh, I'm 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 all in on 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 both. I like it. Yeah, Montez Sweat has been awesome as well. Yeah, I think I have him inside the top fifteen as well this week. He's just he's it's it's hard to keep them too far separated i guess because they're they're both been they both been awesome they both play a ton that defensive line is is really good um how about with the the washington linebackers because jamin davis not the start to the year that we we had hoped for with the it was around 65 percent or so of snaps through the first two games but has played over 80 percent um in each of the past three games so that's been nice to see um how do you feel about this group here? Were you surprised to see, I guess, Cody Barton be the the LB one there? And and do you have any hope for for Jamin Davis uh, for the rest of the season? It was one of those situations that I could see going going either way. Um, I, I was hoping it would be Davis. Um, I feel like you know it was his time. He's kind of sat there waiting for for his time to come. But some of that uh, off field stuff kind of kind of concerned me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where you know, I kind of thought it wouldn't surprise me hugely if if Barton kind of ran with the the, the every down role at least to start the season. Um, like you say, Davis is kind of hovering around that sort of eighty percent snap share, but he's he's done very little with it. Especially if you compare him to someone like you know Jack Gibbons, we were just talking about a minute ago. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Davis has got 29 tackles in five games, 11.7% uh, tackle efficiency. Not dreadful, but not quite where we want it to be. And, and no big plays to speak of outside of a, a single sack against uh, Denver, I think it was earlier in the season. Like I say, you know, Cody Barton isn't anything too special, but he's he's dominating the snap share and he's been more productive so far. So I, I can't see that changing. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's going to change. And like you said, I think that offseason did seem to have uh, an impact on on his potential to to be their guy that they trust uh, on an every down role. Um, so it could potentially hurt his future there in Washington as well if, if things don't improve. But yeah, I, I'm happy to start Cody Barton um, every week. He's, he's a guy that we got for, for super cheap in drafts this year and um, even off waiver wires early in the in the season as well. But um Anything else for Washington or, or you want to move to Atlanta? Yeah, let's talk about uh, Atlanta. So um, that that sort of, it's a tasty matchup for the uh, Falcons defensive line. Um, Sam Howell's been sacked more than any other quarterback yeah. uh, in the league. Uh, an average of almost six times per game. Uh, he must be, he must be so sore. Um, oh but the question is, I think, do the, do the Falcons have the, the players to take advantage of, of that matchup? They've had, more success rushing from the interior with David Onyemata and, to a lesser extent, sort of Grady Jarrett. Uh, I think they're one and two in total pressures for the Falcons so far this year. Um, but maybe this is this is the game where some of the other guys, the edge guys who have been disappointing so far, can make an impact. Um, I'm kind of looking at Bud Dupree, uh, Arnold Ebiketti, and and maybe even Caden Ellis, if he's allowed to rush the pass more often than he has in the absence of uh, of Troy Anderson. So yeah, I like the matchup. Just not convinced the Falcons have what it takes to take advantage of that matchup. Yeah, th this is exactly how I feel about it. It's a great matchup. It should be on on paper at least. And Sam Howell, like you said, leads the league in sacks, the highest pressure to sack conversion rate in the league as well for quarterbacks, but. There's nobody really to be too excited about on this Falcons um, defensive line. Somebody's going to get a sack. It, it's almost a guarantee. Um, it's just a matter of picking out who it's going to be. I, I have more faith in probably the defensive tackles than the edge defenders at this point. I mean, Dud du or I, <laughs> I called him right. Dupree. Yeah, you were he's right. Been a, he's been a dud. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but Dupree, uh, who's yeah maybe now going to be called Dud Dupree because look, he played seventy three percent of snaps and didn't manage a single pressure. Had a zero percent win rate in Week Five against Houston, and you know Houston they're they're a decent offensive line over there, but that is just like terribly inefficient, right? So I, I don't have like a ton of faith in in Bud Dupree. Um, it's there, like I said, somebody's going to get a sack. It's just you're rolling the dice, maybe throw a dart on, on one of them and, and hope for the best. But I'm not going to try to pick out which one it's going to be. I'd rather try to find um, an, another matchup somewhere else or at least bank on maybe the defensive tackles and DT required leagues um, on Yamada and Grady Jarrett because um, they've been decent pass rushers still uh, this season as well. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because because Dud Dupree, as he will now yeah. forever be known, he's <laughs> he's 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 the guy with the the lion's lion's share of the snaps at the edge position. But like you say, he's he's been really ineffective. Uh, I'd like to see Ebiketti get more get more run. Uh, I don't know what he is yet, really. Um, but it's kind of hard when he's when he's not even seeing half half the available defensive snaps. It's, it's, yeah. it's got to be tough. Like you yeah. say, someone's going to get a sack. Maybe in the deepest of, of best ball leagues, um, you could add one of these guys and just pray for a miracle. But yeah, rather you than me. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, Ar- Arnold Ebiketti too, the second round pick for them a, a year ago. And and I thought maybe he would see more snaps this year, but it's been kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit too. And just another guy that just hasn't shown a lot. So maybe that's been part of the problem why he can't climb up that depth chart too. But yeah. um yeah, the the other thing with Atlanta is their their linebackers. Um, Nate Landman uh, went up to a hundred percent of snaps this past week, which was nice to see because we want more every down linebackers. Not necessarily like the the most effective tackler so far this season, but he's doing the job. Uh, he's been decent. I think I have him as LB thirty six this week. Um, I still have Caden Ellis a little bit higher, but um, do you have a preference for for one of these guys? Assuming they're both playing a hundred percent of snaps. I guess it depends to an extent on the scoring, but less so than it would have it would have done when when Ellis was in a a role where he would be rushing the passer more than he has so far this season, and obviously that's that's partly as a result of the injury to to Troy Anderson. Um, uh, you know, Lamman last week was a slight drop off from what we saw in terms of production in in week four against the Jags, but we got to follow the, the the snap count, the opportunity, as you say. Um, what was what was really encouraging was, as as you pointed out, he played played every down. Clearly, the the Falcons trust him, um, and I think we should we should too. Even if the matchup against the the Commanders could be a little better. Yeah, I'm I'm fine plugging him in this week. There's a few other linebacker situations that I'm not overly fond of right now that are maybe bigger name players that I'm I'm trying to avoid this week until we get further clarity on what's going on there. But um, yeah, Nate Landman, like you said, uh, he's he's got the role, so I'm fine to plug him in um, if necessary, just because of those snaps. And um, as long as he's efficient with with his opportunities, then he can be a decent IDP starter in you know those deeper leagues as well so um i like that for landman uh anything else washington atlanta or you want to move to minnesota chicago um i wasn't going to talk about it but the the Derek forest um stroke percy butler right. situation is, is going to be an interesting one to follow uh obviously forest is is done um yeah. and and we saw percy percy butler step in uh, a little bit last week so really interested to see i'm not going to start butler this this week in any leagues and i don't recommend anybody else does either but it's definitely a situation to to monitor i think and see see how that division of uh, of snaps uh, really plays out yeah, there's always room for these guys that are playing, you know, 100% of snaps at the safety position in deeper leagues. And, and you never know, they come up with some big plays or something like that, that that makes all the difference in the world as far as what they do on a weekly basis. So just another player to kind of keep in mind there because, yeah, Derek Forrest on IR now. So um, it looks like Percy Butler is going to be the replacement. Um, so something else to, to monitor there in Washington, but it's most likely going to be a, a deep safety role as well, right? We know Cameron Curl is going to uh, eat up those box snaps, which which we love about him. So yeah. um, let's go to the, yeah, let's go to the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago bears. So I think maybe the first thing um, that I want to talk about with this one is Marcus Davenport. Um, I, I think has had a couple of nice games now in a row. I know, you know, this isn't the player that it's taken a long time for this player basically to be productive. And, and people have been frustrated with him for a long time. Uh, a former first round pick. He's had to deal to deal with injuries and, and, and snap shares and stuff like that, that, you know, haven't been ideal for him, but 79% of snaps last week, um, seven pressures, two sacks over the past two games, this is another positive matchup against Justin Fields and, and the Chicago Bears. Fields takes a lot of snack sacks. Uh, the Bears allow a lot of pressure. So 
the the volume is there for him the the opportunity the pass rush metrics have been you know not amazing last game but typically this has been one of the better pass rushers in, in the league even on smaller sample size but I think there's potential here for Marcus Davenport to to be uh, maybe a, a edge streamer this week. I think I have him as edge 29. Um, so potential streaming option this week against Chicago. How are you feeling about him? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feels like a like a Matrix esque deja vu <laughs> with with Davenport, doesn't it? I feel like we've been here so many times. He's kind of that that black cat that just keeps popping up, making us feel. <laughs> Uh, both excited and and un- uneasy at the same time. Um, the, the question really with him is 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 not has he got the talent? We've seen that uh, you know in those in those uh, small windows where he's been able to play, um, he he can play. The question really is is you know can he stay healthy? Um, and injuries are impossible to predict uh, or near impossible to predict. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, it does help that he lines up on the right edge. Uh, that works in his favor, I think. Um, the left side of of that offensive line for the for the Bears is is really really poor. Uh, that's, yeah. that's being kind. Uh, Larry Larry Borum in particular is Borum, is, yeah. is 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 so so bad. So yeah, uh, not not like you ready to anoint Davenport sure. as as uh, as a good Ed Rusher, um, but. Yeah, I like his matchup, so I can I can totally understand having him ranked at uh, where do you say twenty nine? Yeah, edge edge twenty nine. Um, so yeah. yeah, in DL leagues, you know, he got, probably falls a little further as you put in some of the better D tackles in there and stuff, but. Yeah, he he's burned us so many times in the past, right? As soon as we start to get hopeful about him, that that's when he you know turns around and, and puts up goose eggs or gets injured or something like that. So that's that's the one thing to kind of keep in mind there. But yeah, like I said, um, I do like the matchup this week. Let's assume that he plays the the that regular seventy something percent snap roll and and doesn't get hurt in the game. I think there's potential there for Marcus Davenport this week. Um, the other thing in, in Minnesota, as we always like to do, uh, a little update on uh, Ivan Pace and, and what is going on over there because we love Ivan Pace, but hasn't really been the IDP um, asset that we, we, you know, I think could imagine him to be. But this was always kind of the problem with the Minnesota Vikings defense under Brian Flores, right, is there's only really room for one linebacker to to trust in in idp leagues and this was part of the reason um that i didn't love brian asamoah coming into this season because i assumed he would be the lb2 there behind jordan hicks and didn't think that there would be you know enough production for for asamoah to go around and that's kind of what ivan pace is getting here and it look it's nice that ivan pace is at least the lb2 there and getting snaps and he's on the field and has potential to to put up big games if he you know, if he's getting the opportunity, but we're still not trusting him. Like LB 53 is, is where he ranks for me this week. So outside of that top 50, there's plenty of other linebackers who are playing more snaps um, to trust. Maybe he gets some opportunity to rush the passer here and, you know, again, gets a sack on Justin Fields or something like that would be nice, but it's not something you're trying to bank on, right? It's really a play for, for deeper leagues only at this point. Yeah, you you've nailed it there. And then the main takeaway really for me is that, you know, this is a an undrafted free agent we were talking about. You know, granted he should have been drafted, but yeah. um as you were saying, you know, didn't expect him to to beat Asamoa to that LB two spot. Um so we've got to we've got to take what we're what we're getting. Um and maybe there is some some method in 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 the madness because because Hicks is actually playing 
some of his best football in years, yeah. I feel. Um, 29 combined tackles and a, and a pass breakup in the last two games. And it's not just about production. He's, he's performing well too. Um, I mean, I think on the basis of what we're seeing, you know, his pace is 50 to 60% snap share is likely to continue for the time being. Um, but, you know, like I say, he's, he's shown he can hang with the best. Uh, and with Hicks set to become a free agent after 2023, um, the future the future looks bright for bright for pace. Just yeah, not not in the next few weeks, I don't think, and maybe not the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly it, right? It's it's nice that they they trust them. They're getting him on the field enough as an undrafted free agent, which is it's a good thing. So for dynasty purposes, you still like that, but he's not somebody you're putting into lineups for the most part. And like you said, Hicks has been good. He, he's been really solid. Um, Brian Flores has deployed a lot more zone, um, surprisingly this year, which has really helped that tackle efficiency stay up as well, which is nice. So um, that that's another positive there for Jordan Hicks. I don't expect him to lose that LB one role. Um, really this season, uh, I, I'd imagine, unless he gets injured or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, how about Harrison Smith? Because see, he's been kind of interesting, right? Really, really slow start to the year. Um, you know, the first three games for Harrison Smith, just 14 tackles. He did have a forced fumble in there. But the last two games, 24 total tackles, two tackles for loss, three sacks, obviously the one game, one forced fumble, four QB hits. The usage didn't really change for Harrison Smith. Um, it's in any of the five weeks that that he's been on the field, but um, the production definitely kind of came back to what we would expect closer to Harrison Smith to produce. Even as an older player, he's always been like an efficient IDP um, for the most part. So, how do you feel about Harrison Smith and and maybe even like compared to Cameron Bynum because Cameron Bynum's been on fire to start the year. So, do you have a preference maybe for one of those two? Yeah, I I have a slight preference for for Bynum, but I've got there only there only there's only two places between them in my in my rankings. Okay. I got a bit of flack for having two Vikings safeties in my in my top ten last week, but I, I feel like it's justified on the basis of what we're seeing. Um, I I love Harrison Smith. I always have, um, and I you know like everybody else, I was I was getting a bit worried with his sort of quiet start to the to the year. It's a position that we're often quite happy to stream. So I imagine there's a, a few fancy managers out there that are cursing their luck after they uh, they moved on from Smith. But if there's a lesson to be learned, it's just that, you know, a reminder perhaps that it is a volatile position and not to give up after um, what was essentially at that point a really, really small sample size. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I couldn't be happier that he's, he's, he's kind of proving everyone wrong. Um, yeah. And it's more than just that three sack performance against the Panthers a few a few weeks back. That that tackle rate has been impressive too. It, if I've got one small gripe, it would be it'd be nice to see him make um, some of those big plays in coverage that he became famous for over his career. But I'm I'm being really picky and really greedy at that point. So. <laughs> It's it's understandable though, right? Like we know what Harrison Smith is capable of. I know he's you know getting older. He's in his is I don't know mid thirties now. It feels like I, probably early thirties, yeah. but it feels like mid thirties. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's a solid player. The usage, like you said, it, it's all there for him. I don't mind putting both of those guys in the top ten. I, I think they've they've earned it at this point. Bynum and Harrison Smith. I do have a slight preference i've just moved harrison smith for the first time over cameron bynum um for for this week but again they're super close um and yeah it's both of them have been performing very well so uh, i do like that um 
Anything for Chicago, um, because this is not like an overly interesting uh, team for IDP, but did anybody stand out that that's worth talking about here for you? Mm, not really. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bears fans, but yeah, it's yeah. not a it's not a team that um, that gets me too excited on the the IDP front. They have they have some players in there, um, uh, but yeah, not nothing too crazy to to, to want to bring up now. Yeah, it's nothing nothing really to kind of go into detail to because we we kind of know what they are on defense. And I mean, I think Kyler Gordon, the corner slot corner there is eligible to return from IR. I haven't seen anything um, about him playing this week or anything like that. But that's just maybe another player that could be interesting on Chicago if he does get uh, activated. But other than that, we know who they are. TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, Jaquan Brisker, um, Eddie Jackson, if he plays, if not Elijah Hicks. And then the defensive line we are staying away from. Um, let's go yeah. on to the, the Seattle Seahawks at the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, where do you want to start with this one? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing the Seahawks come off of their, their buy, their, yeah. their defense, uh, just flat out dominated the, uh, the giants, didn't they? In, uh, in week four, um, 11 sacks, two forced fumbles and two, two interceptions, um, one of the the players I was most eager to see in that last game, but who who barely played, of course, was was Jamal Jamal Adams. Um, so he looked like he was going to play a, a massive part in that game. He only had nine snaps before, um, unfortunately, suffering the concussion. But he still managed to record two two tackles in a QB hurry. Um, it looks like he might be back from the concussion. I think I saw Pete Carroll. Um, with some sort of promising news about uh, how he expects Adams to clear the concussion protocol. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him back in the fold and seeing what he can, seeing what he can do. It feels like a long time since, since he was, uh, you know, on my fantasy radar, but yeah, he's a guy that, uh, that I'm interested in. And that, like I say, that, that performance in just that small, super small sample size of nine snaps has, has got me, got me a little more excited than I was even before that game. So where, where do you stand on, on Jamal Adams. Yeah, it was nice to see him back on the field. Um, unfortunately, yeah, whatever it was, it, just a handful of snaps, really. So we didn't get to see. The, the thing that I want to see mostly is kind of how these safeties will be deployed, right? Like it does sound like he'll play this week. Hopefully he can stay, you know, healthy for, for this game. But when he was out there, him, Julian Love, and, and Quandre Diggs all played together on those four snaps. So all three safeties were out there at the same time. I don't know if that's something that's planned for, for an entire game's worth of snaps, how sustainable that is. But that would be the main thing that I'm kind of looking at is where does Julian Love and, and Jamal Adams kind of fall and what does the deployment look like and the alignment for those guys? It feels like they want to use Jamal Adams in his, a typical Jamal Adams role in the box and rushing the passer. But you know, coming off another injury here, the concussion, I, I do wonder if maybe there's a potential that that he's eased back in um, this week to to try to avoid another injury. So that that would be the one thing to um, that that kind of I guess has me hesitant about Jamal Adams at least for this week. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's quite quite possibly that he could be he could be uh, you know uh, could be a slow reintroduction to the to the team. So. Yeah. Um, the next, the next uh, player I want to talk about in this game was, uh, was, was Jordan, Jordan Brooks. Um, yeah. So he's, you know, he's yet to log a full workload since returning to the lineup, but he was, he was getting close um, and he showed us what he's capable of um, despite not playing 
uh, every down. He had 39 com- combined tackles and three sacks in four games. Um, you've got to think that with a you know an extra week of rest during the the bye, um, he's 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 going to come back to uh, near or at a hundred percent this week. Um, now I would be higher on him for for that reason, but um, I don't think the Bengals are a great matchup for linebackers. So I won't be surprised if his performance isn't quite at the same level as we've seen so far this year, even if he does play more snaps. Yeah, I'm with you. I I, I think there's at least potential there that they br- they put him back on like a full workload in a, basically a near every down role because we haven't really seen that from him um, so far this season. But it does help coming off the bye. He's looked healthy. He's been efficient. Um, he's been effective. So uh, that that would be the main thing. I, I think I have him as LB24 this week. So like you, I think it, you know if I like the matchup a little bit more or if I was sure of the. Um, the usage, then I'd probably move him up a little bit higher because he's been such an effective tackler and this is such a great defense uh, for linebacker tackles. But um, the matchup and the the slight uncertainty coming off of the bye, what his role is going to look like is is the only thing that keeps him as the low-end LB2 um, for me this week. But um, yeah, I think there's definitely potential that he could be a full-time player this week as well. For sure, for sure. Um, the next guy I want to talk about was uh, was Nick Nick Scott. Um, let's talk about him for a minute. It was it was interesting to see uh, him play only sixty seven percent of the available defensive snaps against the uh, the Cardinals. I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and conversely, Jordan Battle had a, a season high thirty nine percent in that game. Um, and we saw something happen um, a few weeks back against the the Ravens. Um, and then the following week, Scott played almost every down again uh, while while Battle barely saw the field. So. All the same, it's something to keep an eye on. And I think if if fantasy managers have a, a more reliable option or at least someone who plays every down, then it'd be wise to kind of sit Scott until we uh, have a more of an idea as to how this this plays out. That You know, the safety position is, is deep in, in IDP. It shouldn't be hard to, to find a replacement. Yeah, this this one felt like it was something to do with like just related to his level of play in the game. He, he didn't he didn't seem to have any kind of injury or anything that they took him off the field for. Um, he was kind of coming in and out of the game with Jordan Battle, like you said, and he's had his struggles this season. It definitely appears at least possible that the team may want to lean into Jordan Battle a little bit more going forward and. Battles looked good. He's, he earned an 87.8 defensive grade in that last game, um, which was it included an 80, 83.9 in coverage, um, just the 22 snaps. But Scott has earned at just a 43, 43.2 defensive grade this year, 40.7 coverage grade. So not great. He struggled a little bit. So I do wonder if there's potential here for them to kind of switch these guys uh, maybe gradually over time, uh, over the next few weeks or so. But I don't know that they're particularly excited about Nick Scott at this point. So I have left Nick Scott off my rankings this week, just as kind of a point to, like you said, avoid him and see how, what the situation looks like going forward. But I am not playing Nick Scott. There's way too many safety options to to trust instead, just in case there are um, some snap share shenanigans here uh, with uh, the Bengals uh, safeties. Definitely, definitely. Totally agree. Um, the last, the last player I want to touch on in, in this game is, uh, and I probably should have talked about him earlier, given how he's been playing. Is, is Trey Trey Hendrickson? Um, I mean, he's been as good as as any edge rusher this year. Seven sacks 
And I think he had a forced fumble as well in in the last five games. Uh, Six sacks in just the last three games. Um, Granted, he's done this against some pretty pretty suspect uh, offensive lines, but he he does deserve the the credit for getting it done. Um, You know, surprisingly, Geno Smith has only been dropped uh, seven times in four games. Um, you know that that offensive line he plays behind is is is, is pretty poor. It's nothing to uh, to get to get too excited about. But but I think Hendrickson in the in the form he's in, he's he's got to fancy his chances of uh, of adding to uh, his sack sack totals this week. Where where are you at on uh, on Trey Hendrickson? I mean, this isn't anything new, is it? We've seen him have yeah. huge seasons in the past. Again, he's he's one who. The tackle volumes isn't there, never there. He's right. kind of like a Ngakwe in that sense. But um, <laughs> but yeah, you don't you don't really care about that if he's if he's posting a sack or even two sacks each week. So yeah, where are you at on uh, on Hendrickson? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I love Hendrickson. I mean, two and a half sacks last week. I think I put him up as edge eight this week, and it it's it's all in the pass rush metrics. Like you said, ninety one point three pass rush grade on the year, which is third best among all edge defenders. He's seeing a strong snap share. He's not. Um, you know, being limited on early downs or anything like that. He's up over 70%. Um, He's just been really good. We've seen him be a really good pass rusher before. We just saw him kind of limited in snaps a little bit, but it doesn't seem like they're doing that with him this year. So there's at least potential that maybe he gets a couple more tackles, like I said, similar to Chase Young, right? But um, because he's he's at least on the field for those opportunities, but you're really playing him for the big plays. And and that's the main thing with Trey Hendrickson. And he's been delivering the pass rush metrics are all there for him. So um, yeah, he's a top 10 edge for me this week against the, the Seahawks and, you know, comparatively, Sam Hubbard, 56.8 pass rush grade this year. We know he's not the better pass rusher, even though sometimes he delivers on the sacks when Trey Hendrickson doesn't. But Hubbard more the run defending edge defender uh, of this group here, of this duo, I guess. Um, but yeah, still love uh, Trey Hendrickson. So this was this has been a nice start to the year for him, for sure. Yeah, it kind of makes you. He doesn't seem to get the the kudos that he that he deserves. I think mm-hmm. no one was really talking about him. Um, in any great way before the season started or not that I saw yeah. at least. Um, but you know, this is a guy that's had, was it 20 sacks, a 20 sack season he had, um, he a couple did, years yeah. ago. Yeah. And that's yeah, any other guy that, that produced on that level, we'd be, we'd be pretty excited for, but it just seems that Hendrickson doesn't always get the credit he deserves. I think, uh, maybe I'm just running in the wrong circles and there's a massive Hendrickson fan club <laughs> out there somewhere. <laughs> Um, yeah they're all in Cincinnati yeah no but (laughs) he's been yeah he's been good like he's definitely underrated for sure he's been somebody that I've scooped up in a ton of best ball leagues this year because it just would constantly fall down the ranks like nobody's really that interested in him and and maybe some of it has to do with that smaller snap share not playing on those early downs but that again that's not what we're drafting Trey Hendrickson for right and uh, so far he's delivered on those big plays which has definitely been nice to see but um yeah, there's nothing else really with with the Bengals. Again, we we've talked about their linebacker situations a bunch as well with Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Those guys both getting healthy snap shares now, which is very nice to see. But let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. And I think we kind of have to start with with Nick Bosa, um, who has a deep, like a pretty quiet start to the year, at least for IDP purposes, right? So this is, you know, I think, what does he have? Just uh, one and a half sacks on the year? Yeah, one and a half sacks on the season. But 
everything else is there for him, right? 93 pass rush grade, 27 total pressures. He leads all edge defenders and QB hits with 12 at 28.9% win rate, which is second behind only miles Garrett. Um, who's also in this game and he's facing off against Deshaun Watson. I think if Deshaun Watson plays, um, who has a 25% pressure to sack conversion rate, which is the sixth highest in the league. So I love Nick Bosa. Anybody frustrated with the start? I mean, you you don't panic here. You don't take him out of lineups. I have him as edge four. Any concern at all for for Nick Bosa for you? None, none at all. Um, I understand the 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 questions that were starting to get asked at the yeah. start of the year because this is a an elite guy who only had a handful of games last year without without a sack. But you know, look at look at your chart there um, for those watching on YouTube. His he was still generating pressure at an elite rate. His win rate was elite it was just it was just a matter of time before the sacks came right yeah. he's like you uh, like you said there he's a he's a he's a kind of guy that uh, he's he's a he's a kind of like a set it and forget it type of player irrespective mm-hmm. of his his matchup um yeah. this week he's facing um what's what's actually a, a, a sneaky good sort of cleveland browns offensive line but if they have a weakness i feel like it's on the outside so i i like bosa to to make an impact here and to kind of continue that that streak that he's starting to put together. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I I love Nick Bosa. And yeah, he's definitely set and forget. You don't ever panic just because he didn't get a sack one week or anything like that. Um, just leave him in the lineups and those those product that production will come. Um, how about also on the 49ers, Telenoa Hufanga? How do you feel about Hufanga? Because I think a lot of people get you know, excited about him the past two years in drafts or, or in IDP leagues because, you know, he's he's got the flashy plays and they see the hair. He looks like Troy Polamalu and everything out there and assume that he's going to be producing like Troy Polamalu, but hasn't had more than five tackles in any game so far this year. And I think the one thing that is, um, you know, kind of sneaky about Paul or about Hufanga that not a lot of people realize is that he's actually played 69% of his snaps deep this year. He's not like this box banger safety that that he kind of appears to be if you were first watching him or watching his highlights or anything like that yeah a big a big sort of meh for me with uh with Hafanga. um there's there's not a lot to really say his, his start to the season kind of reminds me of of where he was you know he had that fast start last year right and he was um, he was he was looking like a like a world beater but then and he kind of tailed off a little bit. He was he was still picking up the odd interception before their bye, which I think is around a midseason. Um, but his tackle uh, volume and tackle efficiency wasn't really there. He was kind of like a boom or bust player, and that's I feel like what he's looking like looking like this year. I I dropped him pretty sharply in my rankings this week. Um, where did I have him? Let's have a quick look. Yeah, he's all the way down at number. Uh, 45 so safety so db 45 safety 41 for me so that's uh, that's sort of the safety safety four range which uh i know is low but i'm just yeah, i'm i'm not i'm not his biggest fan as a fantasy player sure yeah th- I, I mean look the anybody else that we we see playing like 70 percent of their snaps from a free safety role where that's the range that they're playing in right so there's something about hufanga that i think you said i think it's it's still that early 2022 season that is sticking with people because he was so productive and he had so many big plays and he was exciting and he has the hair and all of that stuff but um it's just it just hasn't translated in the long term um for hufanga so he's somebody that's falling down 
on my rankings as well. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see me um, put, I, I'll have them probably in the safety three range, um, probably going forward somewhere around there too. So um, yeah. Yeah, it's just now we've yeah, said that he, he will pick off. Uh, he will oh, pick yeah. off uh, Watson about four times, force a fumble, yeah. put up like twenty tackles. <laughs> you know that's going to happen, right? There's one hundred percent like a pick six coming from Talano Hufanga yeah. uh, this Maybe week. Maybe so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody else on San Francisco, or you want to talk about uh, the Browns here? Yeah, I'll talk about uh, the Browns. So Zadaria Smith for a minute. He's he's not playing terribly. Um, he's looked reasonably disruptive in maybe two, I'm being slightly kind, but two of his four games, Cincy in week one and then uh, the Ravens in, in week four. It just, it just hasn't come together for him yet. Zero sacks. Um, and then it doesn't help him or the perception of him that uh, Okoronkwo, on the other hand, has been able to produce sacks. Uh, I, I don't really like any of the Browns edge rushers this week beyond, uh, beyond Garrett as mm-hmm. uh, mainly because Purdy is just, uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit like um, Geno Smith for me in the sense that he doesn't take a lot of sacks despite playing against uh, behind, sorry, a, a pretty, a pretty rubbish offensive line outside of Trent Williams. That is uh, the rest right. of that line. I'm not, I'm not really that, that keen on, but yeah, yeah Purdy just hasn't taken a bunch of sacks. So yeah, I don't think this is the week for for Smith to break his duck. And uh, yeah, Okoronkwo, yeah. I Garrett all the way. He's you, you yeah. can you can never drop Garrett, but the other two, not so keen on. Yeah, a hundred percent. I don't think I'm ever benching Miles Garrett um, in an IDP league. But Zadarius Smith, I'm still hopeful for like rest of season. But the, yeah, this isn't the best yeah. matchup for him. Um, Eighty-one point one pass rush grade on the year. He's got thirteen total pressures, so he's fine. It's just the sacks haven't been there yet, but they they should come at some point. Um, so yeah, it, it just might not potentially be this week. So we may be waiting on that a little bit longer. How about the Browns linebackers? Because this is again it's a rotating group there's mm. a different guy each week um last week or la- or the week before their bye it was uh, Jer- Jeremiah Wusukoromoa who led the league or the led the team in snap share and i think that kind of had to do with defending Lamar Jackson a little bit more a little bit more of a mobile defender do you feel like maybe it's an Anthony Walker week or do you feel like it's going to be JOK again what's your what's your read on this uh, this Browns linebacker room yeah i mean anytime that i can't choose between two guys uh, in terms of how they're going to produce. I I look toward the the snap share in the most recent game um, and see how that's trending. And I I hope that that's trending over more than more than one game. But like you say, it's been it's been yo-yoing. It's it's just a situation I don't really want any part in. Maybe as an LB sort of four, I could understand. Um, picking up and, and playing, starting someone like, um, you know, JOK or Walker, especially during bye weeks, um, or certainly bye weeks where there's more than two teams on a bye. But but otherwise, yeah, I don't I don't really want a huge part of this. It's not something I really want to invest in. Uh, I think Kyle uh, hit on this last week. Um, JOK in Dynasty, but that aside, nah, not, not keen on rostering any of these guys. Yeah. No, I, I'm definitely with you there. So let's move on to the New Orleans Saints at the Houston Texans. Then um, I'll let you kick us off wherever you want to start uh, with this group. Yeah, Pete Pete Werner. Uh, I feel like he's been okay 
Um, but now we're kind of still waiting for him to really, really take off. Um, 12.4% tackle efficiency. It's below where we'd want it, but it's not terrible. Um, he's had one week with double digit tackles and at least seven tackles in four of his five games. He's had a couple of splash plays, but we just need, I feel like we need, and maybe I'm being harsh, a little bit more to give us that that real confidence that we can we can plug him in and be you know assured of a, a reasonable amount of weekly points. Uh, the Texans game, I will say, is is one where I feel like he could produce good tackle volume. So hopefully this week is the week where where Werner just goes off. Yeah, I really like Pete Werner as a player. Um, I guess my concern, at least heading into this week, is that the decrease in snaps in week five, I couldn't seem to find a reason why. It, there was no injury news on him, and there was the blowout, so they did pull those guys. But even before that game got out of hand, he wasn't playing that every down role that we had seen from him um, in the previous weeks. I think he was up over 90% or even above 95% in the four previous games, but dropped to just 57% um, this week, which probably is closer to 75% if you, you take away those blowout um, garbage time snaps where, where none of the starters played. So that's kind of my concern with Werner, at least heading into this week. I want to see if maybe there's a chance that they're changing the defense a little bit, or maybe that was a one week thing um, and that, uh, that he'll go back to that, that full-time role. So I've pushed him down a little bit uh, in the rankings. He's LB 42 for me. He's one of those linebackers this week that I'm not overly excited about because I want to see what the usage is. And, the Saints defense, too, like you talked about the tackle efficiency. This is one of the most man-heavy defenses in the league, and, and we've seen that be a killer for, for linebacker tackle efficiency as well. So that definitely plays a part in it. We've seen it with Demario Davis for sure, um, but it could be affecting Pete Werner here as well. And if he's not getting the full-time snaps combined with the man-heavy defense for New Orleans, that that's where he falls down the ranks for me, um, at least until I see a little bit more um, information, I guess, after after this week to see if they go back to him in a full-time role. Yeah, fair points, fair points. Um, and then I want to I want to uh, just flip over to the uh, the Texans for, for a minute and talk about uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Greenard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to see him, you know, earn a uh, a bigger snap share again, 74%. That's that's kind of similar to the, the usage he had in the first two games of the year before uh, Jerry Hughes and uh, a player whose name I forget, um, Dylan Horton started eating into uh, into Greenard's play playing time. Now, the question really with Greenard is, is can he do what we need him to do with that with that increased opportunity? I I'm not as convinced as others seem to be about, or not as excited uh, to be to be to be more specific about about where Greenard is as a, as a player. Uh, I was looking back through through his uh, his history of production. He hasn't had a single game with four or more pressures since midway through the 2021 season. Mm. And he's only ever managed four or more in a single game three times in his career. Um, I know he's had, um, you know, he's shown the ability to convert pressures into sacks at a rate higher than than the average. But it's, it's a risky game, assuming that yeah. can continue, I think. Um, but you know, as I say, he's, he's got a big enough role to, to make a difference. And maybe he can be one of those guys that earns production through volume. Um, and I do like his matchup this weekend. He's on the, uh, 
the left side of that uh, of that D line, and which means he'll be playing. Sorry, he's on the right side, isn't he? Which means he'll be playing against uh, Trevor Penning, who's who's been. Well, he's just sucks this year. So yeah, <laughs> I don't like the matchup. Yeah, yeah. This was at least good to see, like that Greenard is get he got his snaps backed up because we we talked about him with Kyle last week, um, how he was kind of trending down each week as far as snap share goes, but back up to seventy five percent, like you said. So it, it becomes at least a little bit more reliable in that way um, because he he does have games where he puts up sacks, but like you said not somebody that's that's overly consistent or is like a such a good pass rusher that you have to have him in lineups basically right more of a matchup based play um but yeah he's i think i have him as edge 35 he's not somebody that i'm overly excited about he's probably just going to kind of hang around in that range for me as an edge three um for the rest of the season but unless we see those pass rush metrics get way up i i'm not like overly excited about um greenard like you say no no um are you up for talking about the Texans linebackers for a minute? I mean, yeah, this this yeah, situation has been it's been fun, but like super super maddening <laughs> at the same time. I think um, we we yeah. expected uh, Perriman to to run alongside Tua Tuo um, uh, as the second every down linebacker last week, but but Blake Cashman um, he's a he's a name who some people might have forgotten. He kind of rose right. like a like a phoenix from the flames didn't he played <laughs> played near a near a full-time role um Paraman had uh just under half of the snaps available which which surprised me a little bit but i i suspect they were kind of easing Paraman back into back into things after the uh the wrist injury um and i'm reasonably confident he'll overtake cashman this week um he's not Paraman's not listed on the injury report i did see right. um i'm just keeping one eye on uh, on christian harris uh, he, other people are more excited about him than I am. I think he's a, a poor player, um, but he just, he just refuses to go away. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm not too concerned about Christian Harris, but I am like, I'm probably more concerned about Blake Cashman than I am Christian Harris, but not, not for this game. Like I I'm with you. I think that Perriman was kind of eased in. Um, in his first game back from injury. And I think he has the potential at least um, to overtake Cashman this week. I Like I have Perriman is LB 37 and Cashman is LB 54. So I push them both down a little bit just because there is that uncertainty in how to deploy these guys. So I, I'd rather wait a week and see, but if you have to play somebody um, of those two, then I'm playing Perriman. Obviously uh, our guy, Hanky two toes there. I have him as LB 19. I, I don't think he's in any danger of, um, of losing a, a decent sized role there. So it, it's just weird that they went with Blake Cashman I mean, I guess Christian Harris wasn't available and Perriman was, you know, coming off injury, but Blake Cashman just strikes me as a funny player, one percentile arm length. Um, So he's basically like a T-Rex out there. He literally has like some of the shortest arms in the league for linebackers. Um, He was chosen to play much more than Perriman, whose whose strength is run defense too. And against like a run heavy Falcons defense um, or Falcons offense led by Bijan Robinson. So um, you figure like they would lean into Perriman. So they really must've been easing him in with the, with the injury, but to Cashman's credit, he played well, 82.7 defensive grade. He had nine tackles, two for a loss. So those tiny arms didn't really hurt him too much. But uh, I do think that Perriman kind of overtakes him this week. I think it'll be him and uh, two toes there um, as the top two linebackers. And yeah, we'll see what Christian Harris does when he comes back. But I feel like he's fallen out of favor there with that Texans coaching staff because he just hasn't been good. 
Yeah, they've uh, they've been they've been they've been showing us every sign that they are not keen on him, haven't they? they he was on a really short leash to start the season, and uh, yeah, that kind of snapped. That leash snapped pretty fast, <laughs> didn't it? It um, really did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then finally, I want to talk about uh, Jalen Petre. So he's you know he's back. Um, the tackle efficiency wasn't there against Pittsburgh in week four, but. But no one was complaining because he forced a pair of fumbles, right? Um, last week against Atlanta uh, was much more like the the 2022 version of him. Uh, I think he tied 202 with a, a team leading 11 tackles. And he also added a pass breakup too. It might be difficult to to replicate those kind of numbers against the Saint, this Saints in this matchup. I don't think it's a great matchup for Petre, but... Um, I, I clearly like him a lot because he's ranked as the number three, my DB three. This is yeah, really I, a case of sort of talent and um, history of production um, outweighing matchup for me, really. Yeah, I'm with you. I got him as safety four. So we're right there. Um, the, the the big difference, which is, I think is really funny, and this has kind of been the story for Petrie. Even last year, he wasn't as productive when he lined up in the box, but he was much more productive when he lined up deep. Um, so he's kind of an anomaly in that regard because that's not typically the case for, for these safeties. But you look at last week, 76% deep, just 14.5% in the box. Um, and he posted 11 tackles, like you said. Whereas in week four, when he came back, 55% deep, 37.5% of the box, just two tackles, right? So uh, this is this has kind of been the story with him. He's one of those rare cases where when he's lined up deep, he, he seems to be better. So um, I, I guess we kind of hope for that for Petrie because it's worked for him. Maybe he can see the play better and, and see it develop better. Um, and he breaks down on uh, – and maybe doesn't get washed out by offensive linemen playing in the box either. He's, he is a smaller safety, he is. Um, right? Yeah. So. Some of those things maybe kind of come into play for him. But uh, yeah, I do seem to notice that he, he plays better or is at least a better IDP when he's lined up deep, which is interesting. I'd never picked up on that. That is uh, that is really interesting. I did see he played a lot more uh, snaps deep last week, but I'd never, found, I'd never made that sort of correlation between uh, him, his improved tackle volume and uh, him, him playing deep. So that's, that's interesting one to take away. Yeah, it, I only noticed it because last year I remember between him and Jonathan Owens uh, in this Texans defense, it was the kind of the same thing. Owens, when whoever had the more box snaps was the least productive of the two safeties as far as tackles goes um, last season, for the most part. I think there might have been like a couple of games where that wasn't the case, but it was mostly the case for for that season. So um, just, I don't know, something that to kind of keep in mind or keep an eye on going forward, see if that actually um, makes sense at, or and continues here. Oh, will do. Yeah, super interesting. Um, and that kind of wraps up the, uh, the the Saints and the Texans for me. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's do a quick ad break before we go on to the the rest of the games here. And this one is from our friends at Prize Picks. Uh, Prize Picks is a skill based real money daily fantasy sports game. Um, and you ask how it works. Basically, you pick two to six players if they will go basically more or less than their prize picks projection. Um, and then you can win up to 25 times your money on any single entry. So I just noticed prize picks has IDP props on there. We got defensive players um, and two props that I like Jose Jewel 
over seven and a half tackles on Thursday going against the Chiefs. You talked about it. The Chiefs are allowing over 20 tackles per game to the linebacker position. We also feel pretty good that Josie Jewell is going to go back to that 100% snap share role. Um, so that should help his chances of getting uh, the over there. And the other one I put in there is Patrick Queen over seven total tackles on the year. He's He's been under seven just once so far this season, and we've talked about how much um, we like him and his production so far. This, so how do you feel about those, Jace? You, you like uh, Josie Jewell over seven and a half and Queen over seven? Um, I'm more confident in the uh, Queen one than I am Jewell, um, and only because uh, of that sort of... We're not a hundred percent sure. We think that Jewel should should be the every down guy this week, right. but we're not a hundred percent sure. So that that concerns me a little bit. But like you say, his matchup is really nice. Um, so uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. I as I said to you before, I'm I'm not having as much success with uh, linebacker <laughs> tackle props as I am with uh, with sacks this year. Um, but yeah, that seems to me like a like a good one to go for. Nice. I like it. So we'll head on over to prize picks. We'll put some money on there. Um, and then, yeah, at prize picks too, the good thing is you you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projection. So you could go to prizepicks.com slash fantasy and use code fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. Um, again, that's prizepicks.com slash fantasy and use code fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, let's head to Indianapolis uh, and Jacksonville. Um, I guess, I mean, I, the main thing here to start with is, is the Colts linebackers, right? It, it feels like the obvious um, talking point because we know Shaquille Leonard was dealing with the groin injury. He didn't play last week. It seems like he might be back this week, um, but EJ Speed played basically a full-time role for, for Shaquille Leonard in his absence. So this has been a situation to kind of monitor all season, basically, because Leonard dealing with the injuries and everything like that. So What's your read on this this Colts um, linebacker situation, Jason? Yeah, I mean, like you say, we saw we saw Speed play the the every down role last week, but I think if we're we're honest, um, Leonard's injury kind of hastened what mm-hmm. we already started to see. Speed was was more productive through the first four weeks, despite playing fifty fewer snaps. Um, and unfortunately, you know, as you talked about on the show last week, and as we've all seen, Leonard looks like a a shadow of the guy that we knew from. A few years back and it pains me to say that because he was yeah. one of my one of my favorite players um now i wouldn't be massively surprised if speed outsnaps leonard um if leonard comes back this week uh, and even if leonard comes back you know even if he's a few weeks off and comes back fully healthy then yeah again i'm i'm not 100 percent sure that he would have the kind of snap share that we expected him to have before the season started on an ongoing basis so yeah, I'm probably not starting either guy uh, unless uh, Lennon is ruled out this week, in which case speed becomes a, a solid play for me. Yeah, the way the way I have them ranked right now, I don't have Leonard in the rankings just to wait and kind of see if he's actually playing or not. If he is Thanks. playing, I'm with you. I think speed is probably the one that I would rank ahead of him at this point um, for all the reasons that you just talked about. And yeah, I, it's, it's just so hard to trust Leonard at this point, especially watching back on those on those games the, the past couple of weeks or so. He just has not looked like the same player. So that definitely uh, concerns me for him. Um 
Man, not a lot else here in, in 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 Indianapolis that's overly interesting. I think Quiddy Pay should be out of concussion protocol this week. He missed last week, um, so he's somebody that that's been productive so far this year. And I, I kind of like. How do you feel about Quiddy Pay um, this this season? Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not convinced he's anything too special. Sure. To be to be frank, I mean, he's he's managed only ten pressures in in four games, and his pressure rate is below I think it's below ten percent, which is a bit off off putting. Um, I was I was kind of high on him after his his rookie year, um, but you know have we have we really seen the progression we want since? I'm not sure that we have. Yeah, not quite yet, right? The the pass rush metrics haven't really been there. Like he's started off productive, but it's one of those ones where you're kind of concerned about that production regressing because those pass rush metrics aren't there, the pressure rates and the the win rates and things like that. So there is concern there, and I think I talked about this with Josh um, when he was on because he had talked about you know the Colts. Um, sack conversion rate this season being up among the best in the league but their pressure rate and everything like that was was near the bottom of the league right so there was always the chance that they're they're going to regress and i think we're going to we could potentially still see that um this season so don't mind quitty pay just as like a volume play right now and i'm a believer in in the talent eventually coming to, to fruition i think we talked about him we did a breakout um podcast uh, th- this off season and talked about him there um because as somebody that i like but yeah it's been not exactly the start to the season that i'd hoped for even though the sacks have been there in a way yeah i mean it's early in his career maybe we got a bit mm-hmm. greedy or met i certainly did after what i saw in his rookie year so you know this is only is this year three year four i can't remember um but yeah it's, he's he's got a long way to go yet as a player and he's got he's got time to get there and you know mm-hmm. like you say he's got he's got a pretty uh pretty significant role there for for the colts um 60 65 snap share it's it's healthy um so looking forward to him coming back um even though as i say i'm not not quite ready to uh, to anoint him as 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 anything as anything too special, but I'm I'm open minded. You got to stay open minded, haven't you? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is year three for him, so definitely still early, especially for like one of these like really super athletic guys. Um, it takes a little bit of time for these guys to kind of hit their stride in the NFL. Um, how about on Jacksonville? Because Chad Muma is somebody I think worth talking about and Devin Lloyd as well. Uh, Cause yeah, these guys, uh, th- this has just been an interesting situation. Um, obviously Devin Lloyd didn't travel to London. So he missed the last two games and Chad Muma um, played in his stead, but Muma kind of lost snaps on his own this past week um, without Devin Lloyd in the, in the rotation. And he just hasn't been good, right? So it's not really surprising that they've kind of limited him a little bit more and, and they haven't had the other option to go to. So he still played 83%, but he's been the second lowest graded defensive player on the team in both weeks as a starter now um, with a 46.3 and a 38.1. That, that puts him at a 35.2 defensive grade for the year, which ranks 84th out of 85 linebackers. So not good for Chad Muma. I I have to think that they'll go back to Devin Lloyd now that the London trip is done and 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 that he should be back from that what was it a hand injury or a thumb injury or something like that it wasn't like anything major so I I, I have Devin Lloyd uh, a lot higher than Chad Booma this week how, how do you feel about it yeah exactly the same John uh, I really agree with your assessment there yeah I mean I, I kind of hoped Mooma would really take advantage of Lloyd's absence in this in this two-game stretch because Lloyd hasn't been that good himself and um and that Mooma might take a giant leap from from year one but I was I was getting too far ahead of myself he's been <laughs> he's been really really underwhelming hasn't he both in terms yeah. of production and and performance like you say he didn't play 
uh, near to the amount of snaps he played in the week before. Um, I forget how much of a drop-off it was, like 15%, 17 20%, something like that. Um, yeah. It was interesting to note that they, they gave uh, Antonio Johnson um, a couple of snaps, uh, or more, I think it was the difference between how many snaps Muma had played the week before and and last week was how many snaps they gave to to Muma, sorry, to to Antonio Johnson. So, yeah, that's an interesting uh, one to watch. But like you say, he lost he lost snaps on his own. I mean, I see Lloyd was back at practice today, so you know he's no world beater himself. But like you say, you've got to think that he's going to uh, assume that role again purely because Muma's been so so poor yeah yeah i'm with you um and then the other thing uh, with jacksonville that that i wanted to put on here uh, is josh allen i'm still a big believer in josh allen uh, their edge rusher there still a top edge option for me i think I'm at, i have him as edge seven um didn't get a sack last last week or at least not one that counted he did have a sack called back by like a bs roughing the pass or penalty whatever um, well he did kind of run into him helmet to helmet there but i still like josh allen quite a bit he has that uh, big blow up potential as we've already seen a couple times this year um so he's still one of my my top options um going forward yeah I, i've kind of gone to bat for for allen in in country in recent weeks i i think he's shown steady progression uh in the last in the last three years the the sack numbers don't always show it compared to where he was. Was it his rookie year? He had 12. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, the pressure, the pressure rate is up. Um, the tackle numbers uh, are also up if you score those in your in your fantasy leagues. Yeah, he's been a bit streaky this year. Um, but he probably won fantasy matchups on his own in those two three-sack games against the, the Colts and the Falcons. Um, now, after talking him up in in general as a player, I have to say that his, his matchup isn't stellar this week. The Colts O line has a pair of pretty decent tackles in Bernard Raymond and Braden Smith, and it's Raymond who Allen will face more of this week. Um, I feel like Allen's matchup uh, against the Colts is kind of coming a week too late, as Raymond's replacement in the last two weeks, whose whose name I completely forget, he's been pretty damn poor. But unfortunately for Allen and his fantasy managers, Raymond looks like he might be back from uh, the concussion that he suffered because he right. he was uh, in practice today, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that's definitely something to keep in mind there. Yeah. Not the best matchup for him. It's just more that we kind of trust the talent there with him. Right. So he's, he seems like, you know, the kind of player that you can leave in lineups here. And then obviously you don't want to bench him with that, um, with that sack potential that he's been hitting on early this season. Um Anything else for this game, or you want to move to Carolina, Miami? Yeah, let's move on to uh, to the Panthers and the Dolphins. It's going to be a, an interesting matchup, I think. There's a fair few things to talk about in that one. Um, the the first point, um, I want to talk about Brian Burns for a minute. Um, so he's a he's a good player, I, I feel, and he's been productive, you know, in the last in the last three years. And this year is no exception. He's made a lot of fantasy managers very happy with. Uh, uh, five sacks in five games, but he's he's managed that despite producing only 13 pressures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a concern for me, as is the fact that he's not really improved much in the last few years. It might raise some eyebrows, but I'm beginning to wonder if if we've seen his his ceiling. Um I wonder if you think he's a he's a trade candidate at this point, as someone who might see a drop-off in production because he's produced a high volume of sacks so far, but a relatively low number of pressures. Where are you at on uh, on him? Yeah, like I, I like Brian Burns, but I don't love Brian Burns, if that makes sense. And it's the exact reasons that you talked about. Like the pass rush metrics haven't 
really been there for him as much as they have for like some of his peers that get drafted in that same kind of range. He seems to always kind of get drafted a little bit higher than everybody else. I think people believe in the potential for him, but the metrics really haven't been there as much, not at least compared to like we the guy that we just talked about, even Josh Allen, right? So um, he's just found ways to be productive with the sacks, right? And, and there's always the chance that those can regress too, but I do kind of think he is like a prime trade candidate, right? The, the Panthers are now 0-5 on the year, um, obviously not playing for this season. They got Bryce Young at quarterback, so there, there's potential for the future, but I think there's a chance that Brian Burns is one of the bigger defensive players that could get traded um, this season. I think the the trade deadline is October 31st. So a couple of teams that I was thinking of, um, the Baltimore Ravens definitely need uh, mm-hmm. edge help. Um, there's nobody really there, always been dealing with injuries, everybody else dealing with injuries. Um, and then the Kansas City Chiefs uh, obviously are, are one that that's, that's always going to come up because it's Mike Dana and like George Karloftis over there. So not world beaters in their own right. Karloftis, a former first round pick, I think pairing him with with a Brian Burns. I mean, that just puts that team at, at, at another level as well now as far as pass rushing goes. So um, those are the, ty- the two teams that kind of came to mind for me um, for Brian Burns as a potential trade candidate. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I can definitely see uh, Baltimore being in play, like you say. Um, two two pretty unproven guys in Ajabo and away, and like you say, just really suffering with uh, with injuries. I I wonder about the Bears as well. You know, I don't know what their cap situation is like. I know it's looking pretty healthy in twenty twenty four, but they they have a pretty pretty stagnant pass rush and could yeah. really do with uh, with some help on that side of the ball. You know, we're not saying Bur- Burns is uh, is is elite or uh, or anything like that, but he'd be a huge upgrade over anything else they've got. And their pass rush is dire. Yeah, no, it's it's brutal. Yeah, Chicago definitely needs some help there. Uh, that that'll be interesting if they do go after Brian Burns. Um, another guy in Carolina though that I, at least Panthers fans were were clamoring to to be traded at at um, this past weekend. I, the Panthers fans found my tweet that Jeremy Chin found uh, played just eighteen snaps um, in Week Five, and the consensus was that he should be traded um, if they're not going to utilize him. And this this is kind of crazy to me. They're they're really just not using jeremy chin at all he's played pretty much you know a, a like a, a nickel corner role and and it hasn't been nearly a full-time corner role either so that is concerning i, I just again just somebody to bring up again that we're, we're not starting him um in idp leagues right most most definitely not no i mean for, I mean, for a guy who was supposed to be one of the the core components of that of that defense um or you know he was one of the core components of that defense um uh, last season, his his snap share has just been really, really crappy. Yeah. Um, saw a, saw a slight uptick after uh, Xavier Woods went down, but last week was a was a new low. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he had like you like you said like thirty percent snap share. Yeah. Um, Ron Bell and and Sam Franklin are, are the better options for now, and Woods will be back at some point to make matters even worse for right. for Chin. I've just got no interest in him uh, on yeah. a weekly basis or in in redraft unless. Um, a trade is a trade does come about and I can definitely see that happening. If they're not going to use him, he's, he's one of those guys that someone will, will, will kind of, uh, will kind of want and, and make, they'll, they'll think they can get more out of him perhaps than the Panthers have managed to do so far. Um, so yeah, hold on to him in, in dynasty. Don't play him in weekly or in redraft. 
it's probably worth even holding on to him in redraft, actually, thinking about it until you know whether or not a trade comes about. But that's, that's what, 20 days away, three weeks away? It's a long time to, yeah. to, to tie up a roster spot. So it depends on the depth of your league, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, league size definitely matters here. Otherwise, yeah, he's been pretty much droppable. But um, anything else for, for the Panthers um, that, that we is worth talking about here? Yeah, uh, KGH, uh, you know, Grugier Hill, it feels like he's been a bit unfortunate to be to be banged up at the at the wrong time. The opportunity has right. kind of been there uh, in the absence of, uh, of Shaq Thompson. Uh, I did know he's not listed on the injury report after missing part of last week's game. Um, but I'm, I'm not really ready to give him the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. just yet because the Panthers don't seem to want to do that. They kind of... Right. They kind of pivoted to Dion Jones for a, for a game and then came back to KGH. Um, so I think let's let's see him establish a, a full time role alongside Luvu before we get too invested in in starting him. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not starting KGH, and then you even got Chandler Wooten um, working his way in yeah. there and, and playing over him. So there's there's not a lot of hope for Grugier Hill um, this week. We'll see what happens uh, with that snap share, but um, yeah, there's no chance that I'm playing Grugier Hill this week. Um, on the Miami side of things, I I feel like we've been asking for this the past few weeks, but I we we have to get Jalen Phillips back now, right? It's been a few weeks. We've only seen one full game of Jalen Phillips so far this year. Um, he got banged up in week three, so didn't play a lot. And it was a good week one that he had, right? But we haven't seen him for the past few weeks. And this is a great matchup against the Panthers, um, who ranked 28th in pass blocking grade. They got Bryce Young, who's had who's taken 12 sacks on the year. It's just hopeful that that Jalen Phillips can get out there with that oblique injury. I have no, uh, no idea how long an oblique actually takes to heal. Um, do you have any idea how long an oblique takes to heal? I don't know. I can't. I'm I'm out of shape, John. I can't even feel my <laughs> obliques. I don't even. I think they're here, right? <laughs> Somewhere. Um, I yeah. I mean, this Jalen Phillips situation is 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 been super annoying, hasn't it? We. Yeah. I think he was uh, one of the guys that we talked about in that breakout pod that we yeah. did before the season started. And you know, I was I was really excited to see him build on that really impressive year he had in in 2022. Um, and I'm sure when he gets back to full health, um, he'll remind us all of the uh, of the player he is and what we've been missing. Um, but yeah, I mean, look in the in the meantime, let's let's just enjoy the the Andrew Van Kinkle show, yeah. right? He's he's kind of he's he's performed beyond beyond my expectations so far. Definitely, yeah. If, if uh, for whatever reason Phillips can't go again, then you can plug in Andrew Van Ginkle. He's been awesome. Um, so I, I have Van Ginkle as edge thirty this week. But if Phillips isn't playing, then I'm moving him up that that rankings quite a bit. So something to keep an eye on there. And then the other thing to keep an eye on is again the Miami linebackers. It, this again seems dependent on if Jalen Phillips is playing. If he is. Um, then it might push Van Ginkle to more of an off-ball linebacker role, which would probably push David Long down uh, the depth chart again because Jerome Baker took back the LB1 role um, last week after losing it um, in week four, I guess it was. Um, So just another kind of messy situation, but not players that you're overly excited about for IDP, Um, but unless they're they're getting these full-time roles, right? Yeah, I mean, it feels a little more unsettled um, than we'd like mm-hmm. it to be at this point because, as you say, they kind of flip-flopped between um, Baker and Long for a couple of weeks there. Um, I was surprised to see Long out-snap Baker in, in week four, and right. I don't know 
the reason for that. I didn't I didn't see any injury news. I didn't see Baker get injured in the game. Um, no. So that just leaves me with this sort of nagging doubt that they're not a hundred percent committed to Baker being the every down guy going forward. Again, if I've got to choose between them, I'm with you. I'd go with Baker. Um, but yeah, I, I, I need to see it happen for a couple of weeks before I've, I, I've, like, I've got full confidence in, in that going forward. I mean, it's not, it's not a situation I'm, I'm, I'm too invested in personally. I don't, I don't really love either player as a, as a fantasy performer, but for those who, who have them on their rosters, yeah, Baker looks like the guy, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems that that that'll be the way it goes, especially when Phillips comes back and Van Ginkle starts working in there. But um, yeah, hopefully you got better options either way. So let's move on to uh, New England and Las Vegas. Um, And we'll start with the Patriots edge defenders here because Matthew Judon, as we know, did suffer the the, the injury. What was it? Bicep or something like that. Um, So he's going to be out for a while now and uh, not returning. So we we talked about this last week. We didn't think that it was necessarily going to be one player that steps up and, and replaces Matthew Judon, but more of a committee of players just based on how Belichick has deployed this defense in the past. And that was kind of the case here in week five. When you look at the snap share breakdown, Dietrich wise, 64% Anthony Jennings, 64%, but Keon white worked in there at 54%, Josh Uche, 50%. So everybody got some time there on the edge at, you know, decent snap shares, but not things that are like, not overly um, optimistic about those being enough to get us consistent IDP production. So I am not overly excited about the Patriots edge defenders. Yeah. I was kind of interested to see uh, Josh Uche have a, have a larger role. He's been, mm-hmm. he's been so productive in terms of pressures and sacks um, considering the, the relatively small role he had um, last year and to start this season. Um he did. Uh, he did very little last week, but then none of the none of the Pat's edge rushers did did anything really. So yeah. not not marking him down too too much for that. But yeah, I mean his pressure rate last year was was right up there with the best of them. He just didn't have the the snap volume, um, and he started off really strongly again this season, despite mm-hmm. as I say playing like thirty percent or so of the the snaps. Um, I was talking about him on a on a pod last week, and I think on any other team. Where you've got an edge rusher who's been productive, really productive. I think he had double-digit tackles last year, despite barely playing. He'd probably be rewarded with a with a bigger role. But um, this is this is the Pats, and they just went out and got got Keon White to to yeah. add to the mix. So yeah, I'm still low-key excited, maybe about uh, what Uche could do with a bigger role. But I'm not expecting huge things. He was more of a uh, add him to your rosters and just wait and see how this looks in terms of the division of snaps. And we're, we're starting to get a feel for that now. And it's, it's not wonderful. Yeah. Belichick is, seems to be very kind of scheme specific for, for a lot of his defensive players, offensive as well, really. And he just, it just seems like he views Uche as more of like a pass rush specialist more than anything and might not trust him on, on those early downs, but we at least hope for more pass rush opportunities here with, with Matthew Judon. And, and maybe it's still, it's still early with um, Judon out of the lineup. So they could potentially see that role grow because like you said, he's been effective a, as a pass rusher. So it's just a matter of um, seeing more snaps for him to trust him on a weekly basis um 
I guess the safeties, Kyle Duggar was the only other player I think of interest to me here for, for the Patriots still getting strong usage. Um, just six tackles last week so nothing crazy but didn't play 100 percent of snaps either but there was garbage time in this game where, where belichick pulled the starters um but really nice usage for kyle duggar 42 percent in the box we talked about it last week as well we don't mind if he's playing 90 percent of snaps instead of 100 as long as those snaps now go towards him playing more in the box which is what we're seeing and coming off a 15 tackle game the week before as well so i think there's definitely a lot still to like about kyle duggar yeah yeah i'm with you there um he i i you know, like you say, he hasn't been playing every down for the last two weeks, but there's reasons for that. The, the Pats have been blown out in both yeah. games, haven't they? So, um, yeah, not too concerned with that. Still on board with him. Interesting to see what he could do when he gets uh, when he gets a hundred percent of the snaps because he's already he's already doing pretty well with with what he's getting. And it's like you say, it's not it's not a huge drop off anyway. Yeah, yeah, I love I love Kyle Duggar. I just think he's he's such a he's got such high potential for for IDP, and I, I have my safety eight this week. So, um, how about on the Raiders side? I mean, Max Crosby, I, I put him in here just because <laughs> this is the second week in a row now that he's played a hundred percent of defensive snaps. He is just an absolute animal. He hasn't missed a snap in two weeks. Um, he, he added a sack last week as well. He's one of the league leaders in pressures, uh, pass rush grade, all of that fun stuff. He's my edge one this week. Um, yeah, just continue to hopefully stay healthy and and play on the field because this guy has been he's been unbelievable this year. One of the most valuable players because um, you, you just don't get a, a, an edge defender that plays that many snaps every single week. No, there's I can, I can think of maybe two or three that get a really high number of snaps or a really high snap share but but neither of them play 100%. Right. Um yeah, Max is uh is is crazy mad Max. He's he's one of those guys you never drop again irrespective of his yeah. matchup. Um it's nice to see I saw that the the tackle efficiency is is right up there with where it was last year. Last year right. we saw that big jump in tackle efficiency as well. And it feels odd to talk about this where we're talking about a guy who's who's such a good um, edge rusher in terms of producing pressures and sacks, but we already know that about him by mm-hmm. now. Um, but the tackle efficiency really, really buoyed his his value. I think last last year, and he did, as I say, take a big jump from the year before. And this year, it's 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 right there again. In fact, I think it might be slightly better. So that's that's really nice to see. Um, he's also my edge one for the week. Um, nice. I believe he plays the majority of his snaps on the left side of that defensive line, which puts him up against. Uh, Vidirian Lowe, uh, I think his name is, who I talked about a little bit last week as one of the the, the worst pass blockers uh, on, or the worst pass blocker on that Patriots line. So it's a it's a it's a really good matchup for a really good player who's in really good form. What's what's not to like? Yeah, you just love Max Crosby. Yeah, locked in there. Um, we hope he'll have another massive game this week. Um, other thing with the Raiders, uh, again, Divine Diablo did not play a full-time role. That's gone to Robert Spillane. Um, uh, I don't know. This is I got Diablo as LB45 um, this week. Spillane is LB22. Spillane, he had you know a decent tackle game, obviously boosted by two interceptions, which, which definitely helps his case there on Monday Night Football. But um, I, I, I'm going to assume you're feeling about similar with these the Raiders linebackers given the snap share. Yeah, I've got them ranked um, pretty similarly. I've got Diablo down at 38 and Spillane at 25. Um, 
you know, Diablo might be the the more exciting player. He's, he's certainly got the better name, right? Um, yeah. And outside of um, actually outside of Spillane's uh, pair of interceptions last uh, last week, there's there's very little to choose between them in terms of production. Um, but if the you know the division of snaps continues um, in the way that we've seen so so far through the first five games, it would be a surprise if Spillane didn't finish above Diablo this year. So for that reason, yeah, I am I'm leaning more towards Spillane than Diablo uh, most weeks. Yeah, yeah. I think even though the tackle production, like you said, it's been fairly close, you, you do expect that over time with more snaps, it just creates more opportunity, right? So um, let's go to the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, where do you want to start um, with, with these two teams? Well, I don't really want to start with Zayvon Collins, but I'm, I'm going to anyway. <laughs> um, I mean... The, the good news he's got he's got three sacks in in five games which is which is more than we expected for uh for an edge convert uh, when we heard about him playing time at that position and if if we if nobody talked about or if nobody knew the underlying metrics they'd say you know it's that would be a, a massive success but the bad news is he's he's produced only five pressures on on 92 pass rush attempts so yeah, I mean, good luck if you're expecting that that sack production to to continue. He he has improved slightly to give him his dues. He has improved slightly from where he started in in week one. So there is there is some hope that if he can continue to get better, then he he could become a, a viable fantasy starter. But I'm I'm just not sold. Uh, I think there's there's far better options even against the the Rams and their their dodgy uh, offensive line this week in week six. Yeah, this, uh, it's been nice that the pass rush grade, like it, it, like you said, it's it's slightly increased every week, but it's still not great, right? See, he put, posted a season high um, this past week, sixty three point three, just an eight percent win rate and pressure rate. Did land a sack, like you said, um, but uh, this is a guy I just continue not to be that interested in. There, there's too many good edge rushers out there. He's really kind of fallen into a lot of his production early this season. I, I don't expect it to continue as long as he continues to play the same way. So um, just kind of fading Zayvon Collins, even against the Rams here. Um, and like you said, they're not a great um, pass blocking unit, but I just don't have a lot of confidence in Zayvon Collins. Um, no. How about their their linebackers? Um, Josh Woods came back last week. Kaiser White, we know, is is their LB one there. They've had a mix of like Chris Barnes and, and Ezekiel Turner, but Josh Woods um, came back to to the the starting lineup. Played eighty three percent of snaps. Uh, interestingly enough, he's the only linebacker in the league grading lower than Chad Muma this season. Um, so we'll see how long he lasts in the starting lineup. But how do you feel about uh, Josh Woods if he's playing around eighty three percent of snaps? Yeah, I mean, if that, if that if he can maintain that sort of snap share on an ongoing basis, then um, to steal your phrase, really, um, he's gonna he's gonna fall into into production. You 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 have to really. That's um, yeah. that's a pretty healthy snap share. Um, still places him outside the the top forty linebackers for me, um, especially because, as you pointed out, he's 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 really not a great player. He hasn't shown it so far, at least. Um, he didn't do much with the opportunity last week, um, but he'll have better weeks um, if he continues to see that kind of usage. I, I kind of feel like if if, Ky- if Kaiser White would slow down a little bit and allow Woods to make the tackle, make the play, yeah. then um, yeah, that would be a good thing for Woods. But uh, but yeah, it is what it is. I'm I'm not I'm not huge on Woods, but yeah, like you say, the the, the volume is there, the snap volume is there, and that's the most important thing for now. 
yeah yeah this is <laughs> yeah he's just not been great but yeah kaiser white's been awesome um the only other thing really from this game the rams defense really isn't overly interesting but aaron donald um i, I just want to point out like we took a moment to kind of gas him up last week. We talked about him being all the way back. It was amazing. Uh, DT1 leading the position in pre- pass rush grade and, and pressures and all of that fun stuff. Well, he followed that up with the lowest pass rush grade of his entire career in week five um, with a 48.9. Um, not something that I'm concerned about going forward, but it was more just like a dud game that that happens. And it was against a really good offensive line in, in, in the Eagles. But I do think he'll be back. I just thought it was funny that that we took the time to kind of talk about how Aaron Donald was back <laughs> and he was amazing. And and then he goes ahead and posts literally the lowest pass rush grade of his entire career. So uh, uh, hopefully he bounces back this week. Oh, hey man, I did uh, I did something similar, but in, in the opposite direction. I was talking down Ed Oliver um a little bit on uh, on a show and yeah he saw what he did uh, last week i mean yeah i don't i was gonna say i don't remember donald having a, a game as quiet as he did uh did last week but yeah he was playing against the eagles uh and that 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 offensive line is 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 one of the best if not the best in the uh in the league i think even though i think um they were missing um someone uh who were they missing uh there's uh, cam cam jurgens i think it was um and oh. they had to bring in uh, another guy to replace him whose name i i definitely won't remember but yeah i'm not concerned either john you know outside of that one game donald's been as good as he ever as he ever was and i think he gets back on track yeah. this week um dobbs hasn't been josh dobbs hasn't been sacked a ton um mm-hmm. but the interior of that offensive line is uh, is the weak point, and I think I think Donald could take advantage of that. He's he's going to be able to prove a point this week after after what he uh, what he did do or didn't do last last week. Yeah, I, I hope so. I still have missed. I think DT two this week behind only Chris Jones. So um, have faith that Aaron Donald will bounce back. Um, let's talk about the Eagles and the Jets here. So where do you want to start with uh, with Eagles Jets? Yeah, Hassan Hassan Reddick. Um, I mean the sheer joy and relief on his face uh, as he as he celebrated one of his sacks was 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 nice to see. It was like it was palpable, wasn't it? He he yeah. looked he he was clearly aware of the pressure I felt after suggesting to someone on Twitter that they uh, they should hold tight and wait for wait for Reddick to produce. So yeah, I appreciate that, uh, Hassan. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Um, but yeah, he. He he's starting to he's starting to gather some steam, isn't he? He's starting to find his feet a little bit and and starting to produce in the way that we've we've grown used to over the years. So um yeah, I mean long may it continue. I'm I'm looking forward to him continuing the the good form that he's shown in the last two games. Yeah. Me me too. I mean, he had yeah, those two clutch sacks near the end of the game. It was like on third and fourth down consecutively mm-hmm. as well. Um, another good matchup this week against Zach Wilson and, and the Jets. The Jets are likely to turn to Max Mitchell at right tackle after placing um Elijah Vera Tucker on injured reserve this week. Uh, Mitchell has played 19 pass blocking snaps and has managed just a 34.2 pass blocking grade, uh, which is the lowest on the team. Zach Wilson also ranks inside the top 10 most sack quarterbacks this season with 14. So uh, I imagine that that uh, Hassan Reddick should be able to keep it going. I think I have him as edge 10 this week. 
Yeah, I like it. I like it. And they obviously lost uh, Dwayne Brown earlier in the year as well, didn't they? So they're really hurting at the position, I think. So yeah, Redick in the form he's in, uh, in, in, in the most recent games. Yeah, I can see him. I can see him having a good game here. Nice. Um, the other thing too, Nicobe Dean is eligible to return off IR this week for the Eagles. Um, the, I guess the question is, how does this linebacker room kind of shake out with Nicobe yep. Dean back in the lineup, right? Because before Dean got hurt, it was him as the LB1, Zach Cunningham as kind of the secondary player there. And then Nicholas Morrow came in to fill in for Dean and took over as the LB1. Zach Cunningham did not move from his LB2 spot on the depth chart. So I wonder, is this a situation, do you feel like that's like similar to Kansas City where they view these guys in specific roles and Nicholas Morrow is a direct replacement of N'Kobe Dean, similar to Drew Tranquil and, and Nick Bolton, and Zach Cunningham stays in that LB2 role? Or do you think this is a chance where N'Kobe Dean just pushes each guy down the depth chart, Morrow goes to LB2, Cunningham to LB3? Or or is it possible that Dean is, is LB3 being eased back in uh, this week? Too many choices, John. I, I can't yeah, I know, remember. I know. I just realized yeah. I was rambling with choices. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to think about. <laughs> no, hey man, I, I think uh, I think option one. I think I think they view them in very specific roles. There's no yeah. there's no justification for why they would drop Morrow to the practice squad before the before the year and then bring him back up and then make him the LB one. Otherwise, I feel so. Yeah, I think he, you know, he's 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 been productive uh, it, at at times in recent games more so than than Cunningham maybe, but. Um, yeah, I feel like he he's the guy who gets hurt the most with with yeah. Dean coming back. That said, I mean, I don't think either guy is irreplaceable. So I wouldn't be, right. I'm sitting on the fence a little bit with this one, but purely because I'd rather just say I don't know for sure uh, when I don't know for sure. And this is one of those situations. So yeah, that's the big question. Uh, what happens to the rest of them when Dean gets back? Time will tell. But my, my hunch is Morrow, Morrow hurts the most. That's that's exactly the way I've leaned uh, as well. I have Morrow and Cunningham super close, but I do have Cunningham ahead of Morrow this week, and, and it's, that's assuming that Nicobe Dean plays. But like I said before, there's also the chance that they ease Nicobe Dean back in, and he doesn't step right back into that LB one role. But assuming that he is, um, then I have Dean the highest, Cunningham second, and then Morrow third. So, yeah. um, I mean, yeah. he's eligible to return. Has he? Have you seen yeah. whether or not he's practiced yet? I I haven't seen any news on that. I think he's. Yeah, they've opened the practice window. That's the only thing I've seen. I haven't seen that he's actually been on the practice field. So that 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 would be the one thing to kind of look for, I guess, today, because today's Wednesday. So we, we should be able to get some detailed pa- practice reports today, tomorrow, and Friday. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, about, um, yeah, what about uh, if you don't mind, talking about Quincy Williams on the on the Jets? Um, yeah. I. I love that guy. He's, he's I don't really have sort of my guys outside of maybe doing uh, James. Um, yeah. We'll get to later. But if I did, I think, I think Williams might be, might be one of them. Um, yeah. You know, five, five games again is a, is a small sample size, but mm-hmm. we're, he looks so much better this year than he ever has in the, in the past. And the production is there too. I, I, I'm all in on, on Quincy Williams. I'm with you. I, I love Quincy Williams. I mean, I had him as LB15 in the ranks last week, and I, I talked about how I was going to have a hard time moving him 
down from that range. He, he added two sacks to his stats that week, and I moved him up. I, I moved him to LB11. So um, he had another 100% snap share game. This is just exactly what you're hoping for from your linebackers, and it hasn't hurt CJ Mosley either because he's been super uh, efficient as well. So yep. um, both of those guys have been have been great for for IDP. So you love to see that. We appreciate the Jets giving us two full time linebackers. Um, yeah, it's pretty fun of a minute. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it gives us more options, which we always want. Um, how about Quincy's brother, Quinnen? Because, again, still been mm. quiet this year. Um, just a half sack on the year. He's played relatively well, like not up to like peak Quinnen Williams from what we've seen, but just a slow start to the year is the way I, I feel like it's been. But um, are, are you panicked at all about Quinnen Williams, I guess, after uh, what has it been, five weeks? Not really. Um, I mean, he's getting close, right? He's yeah. he's not. It's not like he's playing poorly. He ranks fourth amongst all interior defensive linemen in pressures. He's got sixteen hurries and Q, and four QB hits. So he's he's not a million miles away. Um, it's just again this uh, this matchup uh, with the Eagles. We talked about Aaron Donald a minute ago and how he was kind of stonewalled by by this by this unit and. You you've got to wonder whether the, a similar thing will happen to uh, to Quinn and Williams as well this week. So not too concerned about the player. Um, I think he'll definitely start to get there, and we'll we'll be talking about him in the same way as we're talking about Reddick. You know, slow start, but he's 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 come good. Mm-hmm. Again, just not sure this is the week for him against that uh, against that Eagles uh, offensive line. Yeah. No, I think that's fair for sure. Um, yeah, hopefully he gets back on track, but it's definitely going to be a tougher matchup to do that. Um, let's go on to the Detroit Lions at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I guess we'll start with the Lions, right? Anybody uh, on the Lions that you want to call out specifically? Hey, Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, yeah. um, we we can't <laughs> not talk about Aiden Hutchinson, can we? Um, no. He's just been incredible. Um yeah. No fewer than six pressures in every game so far this year, and the and the big plays and the sacks have started to to come. In his last three, he's got four, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, a forced fumble and uh, and an interception. Of course, um, his matchup isn't the easiest this week because the Bucks' uh, offensive tackles are pretty good, but it helps that Hutch plays most of his time on the on the left edge, meaning he'll spend more time going up against uh, Luke. Gadecki than he will against uh, Tristan Wirfs. Um, Gadecki's really stepped up his game in his second season, um, but it's not every every week that he faces a guy as talented as as Hutchinson. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I spent a lot of the the season talking about uh, what I call the big five at the edge rusher position. So obviously Parsons, Garrett, Bosa, TJ Watt, and uh, and Mad Max. Is, is it too early? Do you think to expand that to? to six to include Hutchinson am I am I jumping the gun a little bit honestly I don't think it is because I have him at, I had him as edge five last week I put him in edge five again TJ Watts on a bye week so TJ Watt would be in there I can't imagine myself moving Aiden Hutchinson down at this point he's been that good and yeah I'm with you I think that edge six the top six is very fair to include him in there just Everything is there for him, right? The snap share is there. He's playing, he played up 86% of snaps last week. The pass rush metrics are there, 88 pass rush grade, 24% win rate. Like you said, all those pressures, 35 pressures leads the NFL. Um, 
I, I, there's just too much to love about Aiden Hutchinson. I have a hard time moving him out of those, yeah, those top five, top six. And I, I know it's a tougher matchup this week. And Baker Mayfield is second to only Patrick Mahomes in pressure to sack conversion rate. So there's that to kind of keep in mind there. But he's just been so good. If anybody could do it, you, you kind of have to bank on Aiden Hutchinson to kind of come through here. And like you said, he's got a more favorable matchup than facing facing Tristan Wirfs. But everything's there for him. I, I just I can't. I, can't move him out of the top five at this point yeah i'm with you right there with you i have him as my uh my edge three last week and i've got him as my edge three again this nice. week i've not moved him from from that spot so yeah I, I i love the guy it's been it's been great to see we kind of hoped it would be this way after what we saw in his rookie year um yeah. a little bit more uh, up and down as you'd imagine a, a rookie to be at uh, that position but yeah this year so far it's been uh been incredible love it yeah. i'm love watching him play it's yeah it's so fun it's wonderful yeah um, um something that isn't as fun uh is yeah. the lions linebackers right i because, thought you'd go there yeah yeah this is just uh man i i don't know i'll let you start us off well how do you how you i guess approaching this group here um because obviously we're excited about jack campbell but this has not been the case so far no i just i just want alexander loney to just just go away I really do. I mean, you've you've got some sway in this uh, in this industry, John. Can you can you pull some strings and just just get him gone? Um, I, I've been beating the uh, dump Alex Anzalone drum for for a long time, and then nobody listens. So it's, I don't think I can do anything at this point. I mean, this guy he ruined he ruined uh, the the emergence of Malcolm Rodriguez for me last year. He's doing the same for for Jack Campbell this year. Um, yeah. I mean, I get it. He had a, he had a good game against the Panthers himself, and he's actually playing uh, better, isn't he? Than he sure. than he has in the in you know in the last few games, he's playing better than he did uh, in the past. But I, I'm I'm just really impatient, um, and I really want to see more of uh, of Jack Campbell. I mean, unfortunately, like you know, it's 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 it looks like we're going to have to try and stay patient. And as even Derek Barnes is is seeing more time than mm-hmm. Campbell at this point, and that's just de- depressing to think about. It is. It, it's it's such a weird situation because even with no Malcolm Rodriguez last week, they they relegated Malcolm Rodriguez to special teams only uh, in week five, which is wild. And Jack Campbell's played a smaller snap share um, last week than than the previous two weeks at just forty four percent. So it just doesn't seem likely that he's going to take over uh, for Alex Anzalone this year. I, even that LB two spot is feeling like a stretch at this point um, with Derek Barnes in there. So. Very disappointing stuff from from the Lions in that regard. But uh, yeah, this is what uh, Dan Campbell's done with his first rounders, right? Jameer Gibbs, Jameson Williams, those guys were all, have all been limited so far in their career too. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe uh, maybe year two is year two is the year for Jack Campbell. We will have to find out. But um, anything else in this game? I, I didn't put anything for the Bucks. But if you have anything that you want to talk about for for the Bucks, I feel like they're the most bland defense in the league just as far as we kind of know what what to expect from them they're a good defense but i i, I feel like there there's nothing no surprises there i guess no not not really i mean i was uh again this is a point i wasn't really planning on talking about but uh, i'm just realizing we haven't really talked about them I, I feel a bit we should we should give those bucks fans or the uh <laughs> sure. the, the fancy managers who have some bucks on their squad something um yeah shack shack barrett um I, I he's a guy i was talking up a little bit uh, this this off season, I was I was hopeful that he would uh, he would be able to return from injury uh, and play 
even close to the the same level that he has mm-hmm. in the past. I know he's 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 not young anymore. Um, but what I saw in the preseason kind of gave me some some hope, some optimism that he 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 was further along in his recovery from injury than 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 others thought he might be. Um, obviously, he's had a he's had a lot of, a lot of things to deal with off off field, and um, obviously, your heart goes out to him for those. Feels a little bizarre to be talking about fantasy stuff uh, on the back of some of that but yeah i mean he's he's been relatively ineffective joe tryon shienka also relatively ineffective but i'm kind of lower on him or have been lower on him yeah. than than others so just need someone to step up really there for for the for the bucks yeah yeah it's been nice to see at least barrett get back on the field especially coming off that achilles injury too like that that's a tough one to to recover from and he's been out there since even the preseason which is encouraging 79.4 pass rush grade on the on the year so not bad um 11 pressures but yeah just it just hasn't been the, the the production that we've hoped for at least in the box score right so he's playing enough snaps that hopefully that'll come with with some positive matchups but i think that's what you're maybe looking for more so than anything with barrett is like plus matchups to kind of plug him into lineups or stream him at this point in his career. Yeah. I didn't know his pass rush grade was, was that high, uh, actually over at, uh, over at PFF. He's, it, it sometimes doesn't really appear that way when I watch him play, but I guess the buy doesn't help in terms of the production. We kind of forget about that. Um, yeah. you know, he's had one or fewer games than, than everybody else out there. Um, or most other guys out there. So we have to take that into account, but I'm kind of pulling for him. I really yeah, want him to, uh, to 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 come to come come back around to where he was, or as I say, even partway partway back to where he was. That'd be lovely to see. Yeah, me too. And and yeah, I think the pass rush grade too propped up a little bit by a week two game against uh, the Bears, which he had like a ninety three um, in that in that in that game. So that that definitely helped okay. him as well. But um, yeah. All right, let, let's let's go to Sunday night football here. We get the Giants again in prime time. Lucky us. Um, they are facing off against the Buffalo Bills. Um, let's start with uh Isaiah Simmons, okay? Because this this was surprising to me. I did not <laughs> expect this you at You and me all. both. Yeah, this yep. was great. He played a hundred percent of snaps in week five. And now there was no Micah McFadden in that in that game, but there was really no sign that that there would be another linebacker to play 100% of snaps in Wink Martindale's defense. Uh, McFadden hadn't been a full-time player or even close to it. Um, Simmons was averaging 27% of defensive snaps prior to this week. So th- this kind of came out of nowhere. He had a really productive game. I don't know that anybody was starting him and and, and benefited from that. If you did, um, congratulations. And, and I'd love to see how and why that happened. But... Uh, <laughs> I think there's, you know, there's the chance at least that Micah McFadden comes back this week, um, which would probably drop Isaiah Simmons down the depth chart again. I don't know. Um, how, do, how do you feel about uh, the, this Giants linebacker core now that they have this wrench thrown into things? Yeah, I'm, I'm not drawing anything too conclusive from the, uh, from the from what happened last week with with Simmons. I know it's not what uh, what some people will want to hear. You know, there was a lot of hype about him. Uh, when the the Giants traded for him, uh, right. I, I couldn't really understand why, um, based on what we've seen from him. Um, but yeah, he's got his fans clearly. Um, but you know, there's a reason why the the Giants have, have trusted a, a 2022 fifth round pick uh, and one who hasn't been playing well at all over Simmons yeah. until he got injured. Right, so 
I get it. Things can change, and and who knows? Maybe maybe Simmons stakes a claim for a, a bigger role, um, even when uh, McFadden does return. Um, now I saw McFadden didn't participate in practice today, um, so if he doesn't go, then you know Simmons could be a could be a starter for a second week, um, and yeah, he gets another opportunity to prove that he he deserves more playing time. But yeah, don't 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 jump the gun on this one. I'm. Yeah, I'm not going to start him unless McFadden is out again. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I think you, you kind of avoid that situation if if they're all playing and just kind of see how it shakes out. But um, the only other thing with the Giants was Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, so he's been productive, four sacks in the past three games, but the, the pass rush metrics have been pretty poor. Um, 59.1 pass rush grade. He's really been... a like a, a product of volume at this point, right? He's at, and he's and he's had some strong matchups, so that's been that's been a big help for him in in landing those sacks because fifty nine point one pass rush grade, he had a three percent win rate um, last game, which is really really poor. Um, I, not a great matchup for him this week. Uh, Josh Allen and, and the Bills. Allen has the eighth best pressure to sack conversion rate in the league at fifteen percent. The Bills are sixth in pass blocking grade. I have Thibodeau outside of my top 24 uh, edge defenders this week. I'm not banking on that production kind of continuing this week just by looking at, at some of those underlying metrics being pretty concerning. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I've got him as my uh, my edge uh, 19 uh, this mm-hmm. week, um, but I'm not as high on him. And I've been saying this since the start of the season, as, as yeah. some others are. Doesn't mean I, I hate him. Doesn't mean I don't like him even. Um I know he's crazy talented. We saw him flash at times last year. Um, and I understand the, the level of excitement. Um, but yeah, the sack numbers, they have been there in the last three games. But like you say, 10, 10 pressures in, in five games is is really poor. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have the answer um, to whether or not that's sustainable going forward, that sack rate that he's been producing. But it does concern me a little more um, than it seems to concern other people. So yeah, I'm 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 far from sold on Thibodeau. It's super early in his career, and I'm sure he'll come good. But yeah, not maybe not the maybe not for this game. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and then on the other side of things, uh, the Bills linebackers. We know Matt mm. Milano out for the season. This this was a major bummer, obviously. So Terrell Bernard still remains the the every down player. But I thought it was interesting because we did see Dorian Williams play the entire rest of the first quarter after Milano went down. So he was every down player next to Bernard. But then the rest of the game was not the same. Tyrell Dodson came in and took over as that LB2 for the Bills, but he wasn't full-time in that role either. So it was kind of rotated in and out with Dorian Williams as well. So it wasn't necessarily that there was a, a specific next man up for them, but if you had to choose somebody for this week between Tyrell Dodson and Dorian Williams, I, I'm going Tyrell Dodson, but I'm not like overly confident enough about him to lock him into where I had Bernard and Milano in previous rankings. So I have him as LB 46 this week, but I would choose Dotson over uh, Dorian Williams. How about you? Yeah, right there with you again. Um, I've got him as LB 41 Dodson this week, and I've got uh, Williams outside of my top 50. Um, I'm I'm probably more excited about Williams, um, but I feel like it's been a week that they've had to prepare for life uh, post post Milano. Yeah. So I feel like they'll go to to what they know. 
um, and maybe ease Williams in over time is what I see happening. That seems to make more sense to me. Yeah. Um, it's nice, kind of nice that Dodson gets another shot, I think, after after losing out to Bernard for that LB2 role um, earlier in. I want, it was actually the preseason, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, definitely keeping an eye on Williams, but Dodson seems to make more sense uh, for the time being. I'm kind of hoping it's not a combination of both of them, as we saw last week, because that would, that would mean one less viable starting option at linebacker, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be definitely a bummer if they do that deployment that we saw in the second to fourth quarter last week. But hopefully um, we, we get two full time players there, but we do want to kind of wait and see what it looks like to be sure. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'd be Tyrell Dotson. Um, but I still like Dorian Williams, too, like you said, long term. Um, all right, let's go to uh, our last game here, Monday Night Football. It is the Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Chargers. We got Charger stuff repping behind us. You got the, the Danian Tomlinson jersey. Um, I got the Derwin James jersey back there. I think you have a Derwin shirt on. Is that right? Um, yeah, it's, so, la- it's last year's number. But There you go. Um, yeah, that's I, the same I, thing yeah. with this jersey back. <laughs> uh, but so let's start. Uh, well, let's start with the Chargers then because we're, we're talking about them. Um where, which uh, which part of the Chargers, I guess, do we start with here is the question. Right, let's, let's start with Derwin. Um, yes. I, mean, I mean, obviously, we both love the guy. Um, it's It's been really crappy to, to, to see him sort of banged up once again, uh, this time with a, with a hamstring injury. I see he practiced on Tuesday, though, so I am, I am hopeful he can yeah. return against the Cowboys this week. Um, and that will be a pretty nice matchup for him as well. Um, given given what the Cowboys have given up to, to safeties in in previous games, that and more than anything, really, that that Chargers defense could really do with getting him back. He's he's really the only game changer they have in that in that secondary, the the captain and leader of of the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to think that Dak and Co are eager to set the record straight after that humbling loss to the to the Forty ers So they'll be they'll be they'll be out to prove a point. Um, so yeah, the Chargers need James. I need James. You need James. All fantasy managers need James. Willing, willing him to come back this week. Yeah, yeah. The bye week came at a nice time because I'm sure he would have missed the game with that hamstring injury for sure. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, hopefully he'll be back this week. He stays in my safety one spot in the rankings. I never change him. Um, we do that for the brand over here. So uh, he is in that spot right now until he is ruled out. Um, hopefully he's not though. So. Uh, the other guy dealing with a hamstring injury is Joey Bosa as well. We've seen him limited in in weeks two and three. That we didn't he didn't play at all in week four. So he's another one to kind of monitor um, going forward. Obviously, if he's healthy, you're probably playing him because even on limited snaps, the guy is still one of the best pass rushers in the league and has the potential to put up numbers. But um, how about the Chargers linebackers? So last week, or the the week that they played before their bye week, um, Eric Hendricks did return to the lineup. But he wasn't a full-time player. That again, maybe another case where they were easing him back in from injury, and now he's had the bye week um, to recover as well. So, how do you feel about how this linebacker group is going to be deployed now after the bye? Yeah, like you said, I think they were easing Kendricks back in again. Um, maybe they had some kind of renewed confidence in in Murray because he he was. I won't say good, but he was impactful in right. in Kendrick's absence. So, yeah. But let's not let's not kid ourselves. We we know who Murray is at this point, and he's he's not a guy any team should be handing a hundred percent of the defensive snaps to. It's just he's just not that good. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty confident this is this is Kendrick's gig when he uh, when he gets fully healthy. So I wouldn't be surprised if that snap share between the two uh, flipped this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think I put uh, Kendrick's LB 27, Kenneth Murray's LB 39. So I'm feeling like Kendrick should be back to that LB one role a- again, but might be still some opportunity there for Kenneth Murray for those managers that do still have him. He did play 90% in week one when Kendrick was, was the full time guy. So um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about for the uh, the Dallas Cowboys? Really, the only thing that I think uh, is overly interesting here is Leighton Vander Esch um, injured his neck again. Um, so this was a this was a pretty big bummer. It seems like he's going to be out for a while, um, potentially the season. I, I think they may be cautious with him um, with that neck injury. But Damon Clark is is the next man up. I have him not very high. I have him as LB forty eight. I'm just. Not as interested in this Cowboys defense, I guess, because it being such a man-heavy defense and them involving the safety so often as well, um, there's not a lot of tackle opportunity for the linebackers. They, they can be productive from time to time, but it, it's been sporadic at best, I, I, I've found. So I'll wait and see on, on Damon Clark, I guess, before moving him up on the rankings and then not as interested in whoever emerges as the LB2 there, Marquise Bell or whoever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just really sad to see that happen to to LVE, isn't it? I mean, that neck injury, yeah. like you say, is this is the third time he's injured it now in the last yeah. three three years. Um, yeah, you just see it. Um, yeah, it's sad to say, but it does make you wonder. I know this is a, this is a week six preview, um, but it does make you wonder if he's the long term answer there in in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. And like you say, unfortunate though the injuries may be, they do present an opportunity for other players. And in this case, it does look like it's going to be Damone Clark. Um, yeah. Yeah, the the only thing I'd point out is uh, again referring to your your wonderful chart that you share on Twitter um, in terms of uh, which uh, which positions uh, yield the most uh, or which teams yield the most tackles to certain positions. The Chargers ranked dead last in terms of yeah. Um, tackles um yielded to other teams to other linebackers so yeah even though damone clark might step into that larger role i can I'm, I'm i'm keeping my expectations in check for a big week from him this week yeah that was definitely another reason that kind of pushed him down the ranks a little bit there for me um but yeah, that, that's pretty much going to do it. I mean, another just massive uh, episode here as we preview all these <laughs> IDPs and all these teams. We only had two teams on a bye week this week, this week Green Bay and Pittsburgh. So it, it definitely gives us more to talk about. But Jace, I, I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you coming on here um, for giving up over two hours of your time now to talk IDP with me and, and drop all this knowledge on the listeners. I, I really do appreciate it. So um, thank you, my friend. I, I, it's been a pleasure. Oh, you're more than welcome. I'm a, I'm a talker, so I'm not surprised it's uh, it's run this long. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun coming on. I said at the, the, the start, I love coming on to your shows, John. I, I always learn something myself. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great to be on talking about my favorite subject with, uh, with your good self. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure, and I'm happy to have you on. Uh, before you do go, um, let everybody know where they can find uh, more of you and all of your work um, this season. Yeah, if you if you haven't heard enough of me tonight already, <laughs> um, you can find more of me. Um, I've got my uh, I host the IDP After Show Rankings episode, uh, which goes out as a podcast and a YouTube show um every uh, every wednesday night usually released on a thursday morning i'm inviting a different guest on uh each week to break down 
the weekly rankings that I put out for the show and also uh, any rankings that they themselves uh, produce. That's been a kind of a fun ride. Um, I've also got a weekly article over at uh, DLF, Dynasty League Football, where I talk about some of the uh, dynasty roster moves that IDP managers should consider. So trades, ads, drops, starts, who to bench, that sort of thing. Um, and then finally, I've also got uh, my dynasty rankings over at DLF. So the top 150 players and the top 25 rookies too. It's uh, it's keeping me busy, all this stuff, but I love it, man. I'm, as I said to you, John, I'm, I'm living and breathing IDP and it's, uh, yeah, wouldn't have it any other way. That's awesome, man. Yeah, glad to hear it. And definitely go check out Jace's excellent work. Um, he puts out some great stuff there. So check him out uh, on Twitter as well, at Jace Abbey. Um, and yeah, that, that's going to do it for us. I, again, for me, you can find the IDP Fantasy Report uh, for free up on PFF.com right now. It's got all the snap shares, utilization, IDP waiver targets, all from this, this past week. So check that out. We'll have the IDP rankings up on the site in article form uh, Thursday morning as well. Um, yeah, that that's going to do it. Uh, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. Everybody tuning in, lending your time. Um, thank you very much. And we will see you next time.